devil horns and things, but it's um, <laughs> it's basically uh, Five Wives is their vodka, and then the sinful version I think is like their fireball knockoff. So it's like cinnamon and sugary, and um, but still vodka and still polygamy themed. <laughs> is it just the 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 uh, method for how to become a polygamist and you know just just kind of buy the yep. whole range and then you can have a different wife for each of the different products that they have uh i mean i think that is oh buying the whole range is the method that a lot of uh polygamists here take where they like will get <laughs> Like, because sometimes it's sister wives is the like the term for mm. all the wives, but sometimes it's also literal sister wives, um, where they get one and then get the younger sister and then just keep moving down the line. Okay, I did a, a, a Judge Judy thing the other day with that. With um, it's just a, a clip, uh, you know, as it comes up with all the nonsense on Reddit and things. Yeah, and it was a, a, a guy trying to explain his kind of setup at home and there was some it was kind of you know a clip out of context mm -hmm. um and he was trying to explain how uh, how the ordering of all the wives because he had uh, some ridiculous number of wives and how the ordering uh how he, he'd ended up marrying uh marrying this late teens girl and then mm -hmm. later on married her mum as well just like, just as they're explaining this, as this guy sort of stood there, like Judy's just kind of shaking her head and throwing more questions out. And <laughs> it's just baffling, utterly baffling. Yeah, I like me and Sagan have talked about like open relationship polyamory stuff in the past, and we've and we've tried to figure out like kind of our level of like how polyamorous because we've got friends that are like just kind of like hook up on the weekends or whatever and other friends that are like full-on like they're married but they also each have their own separate boyfriend and girlfriend and we were both just like that sounds like too much work having <laughs> <laughs> like i i don't want i don't I, I don't want two like actual dedicated girlfriends let alone like 18 wives <laughs> I mean, it's hard enough just looking after yourself most of the time, isn't it? Just to then yeah, kind of factor in other people who are dependent. Like yeah, I can't even. Well, you know, it's... I can't even consistently cook myself dinner and like lunches for to take to work for the week <laughs> or like put away my laundry. <laughs> my but if you had eighteen kind of... wives, you wouldn't need to. Maybe. I mean, I guess it's the stereotypes. Andy. That's yeah. That's that's I, well, the problem. I, I, is well. That's the problem is where I fall into like gender dynamics and like where I see myself in a relationship is not really compatible with having 18 relationships <laughs> because I can't just go, cool, that's your guys' deal. Go do it. <laughs> it sounds like what you need is, is staff more than one. <laughs> ah, no, that sounds like a good idea. There was... Instead. <laughs> I think it was, it was a couple of years ago. It might, it might have been pre-pandemic, but I think might have been mid-pandemic um since polygamy became like officially illegal years ago like for utah to become a state um they said you have to get rid of polygamy um a lot of the time they like they basically are only legally married to one wife 
but they have a house mm -hmm. with a bunch of other wives and they're billions of children and then they um count as like a multi-family household and so then there's all these single moms and they just get on welfare so they can all collect on all the kids um but there was a corn maze that they found like this i think like five-year-old kid um walking around in the corn maze after it was closed and everybody was gone and they didn't figure out who we belonged to till the next day and they're interviewing the dad on the news and he was basically just like well i mean like basically my two wife two of my like six wives or something took like nine kids and like he's like when you have like nine kids that all look exactly the same like it's hard to keep track of them i don't see why like basically i don't see the problem that they <laughs> lost one i mean there was a documentary about that kind of thing that wasn't there with um uh, a family that all went to uh, Paris and then left one of their kids at home. Yeah, um, Trump was in that. Yeah, <laughs> that was the second one when they went when they uh, revisited and went to New York, wasn't it? I don't think I ever actually saw the Trump one. I think I only saw the first. <laughs> oh, crappy. I, I, mean, I, mean, I talk about gender coffee. balance. I want to talk about gen, gender balance for a moment. I will point out that I, I am the person who makes most of the lunches and dinners in our house. Um, <laughs> yes, this is a very but, good point. This, that was a uh, flippant say, comment. I'm glad you turned back. Just talking about Utah for a second. Mm -hmm. yeah. Would I be right in guessing that the majority of the these polygamous relationships? Are based around one male and multiple women rather than one woman and multiple men oh yeah i mean that's kind of that's ingrained in like the history of the mormon church like starting with joseph smith starting the church and basically going oh i think this one lady is hot so i'm gonna just randomly tell her husband you need to go on a mission to some faraway land um uh, <laughs> And then telling the young wife, if you don't sleep with me, your husband's going to go to hell. So to, like to protect your like husband's immortal soul, you have to now be my 18th wife or whatever. I don't remember how many he had. Uh, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's I'm sure yeah. there are uh, like I forget the word because I think there is a word that specifically is for one woman multiple men um but as far as polygamy here it's specifically inbuilt that women are subservient and just make children and um i mean they still have like even without the polygamy part um if you grow up in the mormon church which i was surrounded by it but not in it um mm. you go to your ward with your family um and then once you get basically of dating age, you move to the singles ward. That's like just all the young people, basically all the young horny people that they tell you that you, they can't have sex so that they want to. Um, and in a lot of wards, they'll do things like um, have all the men sit uh, in the pews and things first, and then the women wait in the hall and get told like basically like, hot tips on how to be a good wife and then they walk them in so that they can kind of all be viewed. Uh, there's so, so many things wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. and then 
and then they send these young kids like because you could go on your two-year mission to somewhere mm. else to go proselytize and try to convert people or not actually to try to convert people but should just put you in a situation where you make other people uncomfortable so they're dicks to you and then it reinforces your like culty <laughs> mindset of the only people that like me are all these people that understand me um and so yeah you like get out of school go on your two-year mission come back and then um find a good a good girl that will only date people who have gone on their mission and get married in like three months after meeting them and six months before meeting the next wife <laughs> <laughs> i mean you usually you would like you would meet her sister around the same time um you just don't start dating her until <laughs> six months after marrying the first one Oh, oh man! Oh, until until she's got over a certain age, I'm guessing, hoping. <laughs> Maybe we should go there. You'd hope. <laughs> um, there was uh, I forget the exact particulars of it, but there was a date Sagan went on where she thought she was going to just like go on a movie with this dude that asked her out, and then all of a sudden he's like, "My sister, my little sister's coming," and like theoretically is kind of a chaperone basically um and then there he like invited her to hang out or something and when she like didn't specify what they're doing and then she gets there and he's like oh my little sister's doing like a church thing and so i um i need you to come like help her do her hair <laughs> and her makeup <laughs> and stuff <laughs> and say it's oh like my God. one i don't want to do that too like i'm I don't really do that type of stuff. <laughs> it's just, it's a different world, isn't it? Not even just a different country. It's just, it's really weird. Um, and like, there's also just all sorts of extra weird things that like have mostly kind of fallen out of fashion, but still exist in little pockets of it. So then when you tell, mormons like yeah there are mormons that believe this they just go no that's not a thing that we're taught that's like we don't believe that um like i mean they used they used to say that basically like all black people were bad and the reason they have black skin is because they're descendant from um i don't know the nephites or something and so they're like cursed forever with the mark of being bad and so they couldn't they couldn't hold any like um specific positions in the church until i think like the 70s um because the church is really big on like all of a sudden having revelations that align with mm. social movements um when they're not agreed with very much and not wanting to be kind of ostracized in the same manner that the kkk were even though the kkk were kind of regarded as a christian organization mm -hmm. yeah mm. and they are and they are like just an extra weird one because they're one of the only like christian organizations that has a sequel to the bible but then also like well, i mean live... there was the whole you know um bible to jesus returns kind of thing that we well we yeah i guess se sequel to the any more books after the new testament um <laughs> which the old testament's so much cooler than the than the new testament um 
as long as you don't mix your fabrics when you wear them on yeah or fish or i mean yeah know. if you if you take anything like literally from it they're all awful but there's sweet wizard battles in the old testament and there aren't that's <laughs> uh, true the demons are in the old testament not the new yeah when i was uh, in... there are demons in the new testament too no uh, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah when i was in um i think third mm. grade my brother told was I still don't really know what my brother's motivations were for telling me that I should read the Bible uh, because we like we didn't grow up religious. Uh, but he told me I should read it, and he was trying to like convince me. So he's like, "Oh, it's cool. Like it's basically just like Lord of the Rings. Like there's like magical <laughs> fights and wars and all this stuff." And I didn't want to read the whole thing, so it's like, "Can you tell me where in the book those cool things are so I can read just those parts?" Uh, and he goes, no, you have to read the whole thing. And I'm like, ah, okay. So I read the Old Testament. Wait till the film comes out. Yeah. So I read the Old Testament, the New Testament, um, the Quran, and the Book of Mormon, and um, like all in order for in third grade. And one, in third I was, grade. Wow. Yeah, I they were completely fine with me reading all of the Bibles and Book of Mormons, but as soon as I brought the Quran to school, they told me I had to leave it at home. Um, yeah <laughs> and but and, and i is, remember isn't there, isn't there something in the the constitution about separation of church and and state? <laughs> yeah but it's not real like nobody so, actually so does the constitution i mean we're, we're, we're not even 15 minutes in we've done uh polygamy religion and now we're moving into politics as racism oh yeah we had a bit of racism yeah which... and a little bit of sexism I think this has got to be a new record for, for Maker's Waffle. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad I can beat some record because I'm definitely not going to beat time. Um, <laughs> but we, we drew a line under Jesse and th th that record is going to stand for yeah. a long time. I think. Uh, well, and so... Oh, it just comes on again, basically. <laughs> to, to like ride the line of the, the separation of church and state thing, we have seminary as a class you can take at every school here and public school where you, um you just go learn mormon stuff um it's it's just it's just church study in school but you can't get credit for it so it's separated because you don't get a grade mm. um you just waste an elective um <laughs> but so when they told me i couldn't have the quran i was like why and they're like well because it's a religious book and separation of church and state so you can't have it at school and i was like but wow. everybody has their book of mormon with them for going to seminary and then they were like <laughs> okay you can bring it but you have to put a book cover on it and not let anybody see it i mean that is basically saying uh you might get beaten up because you're around uh other religious extremists that just happen to be reading a different book mm -hmm. And we're afraid that you might be a different one. <laughs> I mean, that, that's so messed up. I, I wonder if they'd have done the same thing if you'd have taken like the Torah or something in, or, you know, the, I, the Talmud. I don't. <laughs> I don't know that they would have known what either of those were. Um, and isn't it? Isn't it the, was right around nine eleven? The Torah is the first six books of the Old Testament, anyway, aren't they? Yeah, but yeah, they've, got different, they be... they've got different squiggly letters, so they're scary. 
Good point. <laughs> did you hear about did you hear about the guy on a plane? True story, apparently. Guy on a plane <laughs> next to a woman. <laughs> we know it's gonna be good when it when it has um, apparently, apparently, sure, apparently. Just <laughs> yeah. Anyway, woman complained to the stewardess mm -hmm. that there was some guy plotting something in the seat next to him. Mm -hmm. And you know, there was all this sort of foreign writing. She was you know, really kind of, yeah, it was very concerned. And I, I don't know if it got to the point of just the stewardess talking to the gentleman or whether it was a case of when they landed getting the kind of you know, mm. marshals to, to, to have a chat. Mm -hmm. Turns out it was a mathematician doing some algebra. <laughs> calculus. I, I mean, in, in fairness, that could have been more dangerous than uh, just about any other possibility for, for what that could have been. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, I'm sure you've heard the the story about when Burger King tried to uh, usurp the quarter pounder from McDonald's and released the, the third pounder. Yeah, and they did the third pounder, and then it didn't yeah. sell very well. And when they did market research, people were like, "Well, because it's smaller, it's three yeah. and it's four. Like, I get four burger from McDonald's, and I only get three burger from Burger King." <laughs> but there was another company who'd done it. Um, beforehand as well, and they I forget which, which company it was, it was one like a small chain, it wasn't like Wendy's or anything, but it was a, another but they, they were using better quality ingredients mm -hmm. and it was cheaper uh, and it was third pound uh, and yeah, they were just utterly baffling but, I mean, surely, surely, everyone, surely, yeah, if you said there's a half pounder Here's a quarter pounder. Most people mm -hmm. go, oh yeah, the quarter pounder is smaller than the half pounder. But thirds in between. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I just tutor maths. What do I know? Yeah. I mean, this is the thing you're trying to apply logic and reason to it. I mean. Yeah. Well, and I think um, people might have an easier time with that just because, like, we've got quarters in our money. So you've got one dollar, and then you've got four quarters, and you know that two quarters is half of a dollar. But there's no way to divide money into thirds in a way that people ah, do but, regularly. So th this is a real quirk I find with um, with the English simplified version that you guys speak over there. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot of times you hear Americans talking about fourths rather than quarters. And I wonder if, because of the use of quarter as a monetary unit, it's lost its meaning as being a quarter of a unit. That makes sense. Wow. Well, and then, I mean, I also had, um, when I was in, I don't know, sometime in elementary school or whatever comes before secondary for you, um, <laughs> I had one kid asked our math teacher like the standard like are we ever going to actually use this and the the teacher just sounded so defeated and he was just like probably not he's just like <laughs> he's like the most complex math that most people ever do is trying to figure out how much tax they're going to spend on their groceries but like mm. you got to learn it anyway and so, like, at that moment in my little child brain, I'm like, well, then I'm not learning this. Fuck this. Like, if I don't need to. <laughs> and so then, like, spent years just bailing on school and, like, 
being drunk at school and stuff and not learning anything. And then I grew up to be the kid that has to do math all the time. And so then I just had to relearn everything anyway. <laughs> I, have a, I don't know whether it's apocryphal or just very, very funny for what it is, but a similar sort of thing of, of a kid saying, you know, are we ever going to use this? And uh, the teacher replying with, well, you won't, but one of the smart kids might. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that was probably one of those things that many, many, many teachers would love to say, but yeah, it's no one shouldn't. actually has. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, talking to teachers about like kind of the the behind the scenes things that they do as far as like wanting to say things like that to kids or like keeping track of different kids crushes on each other and then rearranging their seating charts to play like <laughs> mix and match and yeah <laughs> you two would be good together yeah <laughs> oh i never did that one go on. i i just always think of the simpsons episode where they have the 3d diagram of everybody's grades around bart and it's this black hole <laughs> funnel that and they show like bart is in the middle of the class and everyone around him like it's a gr a grid gradual curve on how their grades are affected and i always felt like that was me <laughs> yeah that is, that is something it's always good to influence your peers yeah i had at least one of my teachers um because i'd always get like moved for talking to people and um i had one teacher tell me like okay you just have to sit at my desk um, so that you won't talk to anybody. And so he moved my chair so that I literally just sat on the opposite side of his desk and worked on the back of his desk. And I just talked to him all the time. <laughs> I mean, that that does seem to be the um, the kind of the, the single sort of meandering pattern of, you know, tell us you've got ADHD without telling us you've got ADHD. <laughs> How many of your report cards at school said needs to talk less or needs to focus mm -hmm. more? Or yeah, or any of my report cards where it was like interested in class, A, not interested in class, D minus or F, nothing in between. <laughs> fun, not fun. Fun, not fun. I had a um, I was the runner-up valedictorian in one part of my school because specifically because my electronics teacher was over the like committee that chose who was gonna like be like the three that would compete for um specifically like the skills side of it and he told me you should apply for this thing and i was like why like my gpa is garbage like i doubled it in my final in my sophomore or my sophomore my senior year um to a 2.4 um and and he was like, because there hasn't been enough people that applied, so you'll just get it by default if you apply. <laughs> default, default. Yeah, and he's like, and then you can still write on like a resume or whatever, like valedictorian runner up. Um, and <laughs> and so I had to go to this like assembly where the lady's reading out people's names and GPAs, and she's like, this like forget who else would, but it was like two Asian kids and me. So she's like this Asian kid's name 4.0, this Asian kid's name 4.0, Isaac Dubay 2.4. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just like yelled out from the stage. I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, 
So damn it, it's four point two. They got the numbers wrong. <laughs> yeah, and and it was also funny because like like my last name's Czech because basically Czech and Irish heritage, basically just pretty much two generations back coming over. Um, but so it's pronounced Dobek, but people almost always say Dubek, and I just stopped correcting them forever ago. Mm. And so they called me Isaac Dubek when they called me up to the stage. But then when she was reading my thing, she said Isaac Dobey. And I and was like, what language has silent Ks? <laughs> I was like, that's the first time I've ever heard that one. It was kind of interesting. And I liked that it was pronounced two English, different ways in the same thing. Yeah, English does at the yeah, often at the front. Yeah. No some Yeah, but no, no. Knife. Yeah, so if I spell my name backwards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, not the end though. Yeah. Uh, oh. she wanted it to be French or something. But they only pronounce about half their letters anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If that. And to be fair, you, you've already got two A's in your first name, so it's not like you've got a particularly normal, usually spelt kind of arrangement of letters anyway. Uh, I love, because people consistently do two S's instead of two A's. And then when yeah. I say, oh, it's two A's, they go, oh, I've never seen it written that way before and i go oh you've never read the bible <laughs> so that, that's pretty much just how to spell isaac <laughs> there's a guy that i knew that um one thing that's really big here is just making dumb spellings for common names because they want mm. them to be unique but they also don't want them to be unique enough to not be just a normal name and so he he named his kid Isaac, but it was like I Z S C A K or something. <laughs> and I was just like, why how, would how you do teach this? A kid to, to have to spell their name to everybody they meet moving forward. Yeah, and teach your kid uh, how to be bullied. <laughs> yeah. We, we've seen a rising kind of that sort of thing in the in the UK as well. Mm -hmm. Something you see as a teacher, yeah, and kind of yeah, they get the the names that are you see the names that are kind of sort of named after someone. So yeah, when popularity yeah, of films yeah, and TV, the Kylies mm -hmm. that appear after sort of Kylie Minogue's famous, mm -hmm. yeah, and the, and then you get kind of yeah, some of the celebrities start naming their their children really odd names, and then. So ordinary people start naming their children really odd names. Yeah. Well, nobody yeah. was called Wendy before Peter Pan was, uh, I think. Was yeah, that an invented was... name for for yeah, you know, yeah. Forget yeah. if it's forget if it's like Tiffany or Jennifer. It's one. It's like some name like that. It might Tiffany be is a really, really, really old name, but it sounds yeah. like it was new. Yeah, so like it's it's like medieval times, and so but yeah. people that are writing medieval literature can't use it because then people are like, this, "Why is this it person like named, someone named Tiffany in a castle?" Like Tiffany's from like the eighties. Yeah, exactly. It's the eighties crime show or something. Yeah, Tiffany means like scrunchies and arm warmers. That doesn't mean. <laughs> 
Well, so there's a, a broadcaster in and uh, author in the UK called Tiff Needell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just T I F F, and then but but everyone just kind of grew up hearing his name as Tiffany Dell, mm. um, because of the way everyone pronounced it on TV. So he's kind of um, Jeremy Clarkson esque figure. He's usually associated with cars and things like that, but you know, much more civilized than Clarkson. Um, you know, actually a reasonable human being and stuff, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that whole sort of thing of like, you know, as a kid growing up and, you know, turning the TV on at a car program with <laughs> Tiffany Dell was kind of just what you heard on TV. It's get a bit older and you go, ah, those words don't match what people are calling him. <laughs> there, there was a, I think it was a tweet I saw semi recently where um, they were saying that their elementary schooler was coming home and telling them the name of their homeroom teacher. And they were just mm. like, there is no way that your teacher is named Mr. Penis. Um, and, the t- and the kid's like, yeah, it's Mr. Penis. And it was a Miss Derpanis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is quite a common thing, though, you know, being a parent, you know, mine coming back and trying to explain trying to pronounce words that they've only heard once mm-hmm. or twice and not actually seen written down yet or, you know, the start of the year and it's like, mm-hmm. that, that can't be a real name. You know, it's, it's very clearly not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the TikTok algorithm is, gives me a lot of like stories from elementary and middle school teachers. And mm. there was one the other day um, where uh, she was like, um uh, asked this little girl like i'm pretty sure i just heard you say a word like can you repeat that word and um this little girl was saying something about a cunt <laughs> and she was like where did you hear that word and she was like this other girl told me and so then she goes to that girl and she's like where did you hear that word and she's like i made it up i drew this picture of a cat unicorn and that's what it's called <laughs> And so then the like the principal pulls the teacher aside and, and they're like, are you aware that like all your students are saying the C word on the playground and why? And she's like, yes. And I was trying to figure out a way to tell them that they shouldn't say it without like signifying that it's actually a bad word mm-hmm. because then they will definitely keep saying it. Yeah. And she's like, and I decided it was probably just better to ignore it. And it'll wear off in like within a couple of days. <laughs> it definitely won't when they get home. <laughs> yeah, as soon as one kid reveals to the other kids, like, which I mean, that was usually my role as a kid. Is like somebody would like I would basically just trade in information, like either bad words <laughs> or, um, or like kids would say something like about how sex ed stuff worked and i'd be Mm. like no that's not how that works and like explain things to kids because like i had parents that would answer whatever question i asked (laughs) yeah and other kids would say ridiculous things like there was one kid that said that his mom told him that when 
um, someone gets a boner and they point it at a girl that they like, that there's that basically the <laughs> flaps of her vagina will like open up because it senses the pheromones or something. And I was listening to, and I was like fifth grade, I think. So like basically like 10 ish. And I'm just listening to this kid. And I'm just like, what the hell are you talking about? It's like scrying or something. It's... Yeah. And at first, it, yeah, it's like dowsing rods. Um, <laughs> and, and at first, at, cause at first he was just like, explaining to other kids like, yeah, this is what happens because we had just gotten out of like a sex ed video that was yeah. very lacking in details. And I was like, where did you, where did you hear that that ha happens that way? And, He's like, oh, my mom told me. And I'm just like, your mom's a liar. <laughs> either, mm -hmm. Your mom's either stupid or a liar. One of the two. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I remember being, because when I was in well, primary school for us, or elementary for you, um, at kind of like age 10 or 11, you, mm -hmm. that's when they would do the kind of the, the kind of the introductory sex ed kind of thing. Yeah. And I remember being in the year below that, and of course, everyone knows that that week in school when, when that sex ed kind of stuff is happening, it's like everyone knows when that is. Mm -hmm. So, of course, uh, we were in that year below. So the people that we knew who were in the year above who were having that kind of thing, you know, we were all like, "Oh, what did you learn? What what's going on with this?" Mm -hmm. I remember one of the one of the lads saying to me, "It's like, oh yeah, they they go around the class and you have to." they've got a dummy there and you have to do it you have to try <laughs> you know and all this kind of like absolute nonsense that they're just like older kids tell younger kids to just be absolute dicks you know oh yeah no i had i had older siblings um <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> we had a we had a butter knife that rattled like there's just something loose in the handle and they told me that it was the teeth of my other brother that i never met or <laughs> i think they said that i just he was too i was too young um when he broke one of my dad's tools so my dad killed him and then um buried him in the backyard but my mom was sad so they let him let her keep the teeth and then they were in the butter knife for some reason and like of course yeah and i mean as being a little kid i was just like oh yeah totally like that makes sense and they told me that because I had just broken something of my dad's while he was at work. <laughs> so then I was, I like hid whatever it was. And like, I thought he was going to like literally murder me when I got home. Um, <laughs> Did you also hide the butter knives just in case you ended up in a different one? Uh, no, I didn't do that, but I, we did have an urn um, that was not a family member. Like I think we got it from an antique store or something. Um, and and you could shake it and hear the and hear some rattly bits inside. And I took it to for uh, like show and tell at school a bunch of times as a kid of <laughs> my unknown dead person with the shaky teeth. Oh my god! I mean, where do you start with something like that? <laughs> therapy. Well, I mean, I'm I'm getting the sense this is. This is the Maker's Waffle Waffle Therapy session. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm right in the middle between appointments with my therapist, so like having a re-up is probably <laughs> a good thing. Um, I I was just thinking about 
cryptic things that you tell younger people and my uh and it also ties in with being a big nerd and making dice and stuff um my yeah when i was uh i don't know i was probably like kindergarten or first grade my older siblings my my two older sisters and my older brother were playing D, and i wanted to play with them but they told me no because like i was an obnoxious younger sibling and my mm -hmm. mom's like you you have to let your brother play the game with you or whatever like <laughs> and so they let me play once and then they killed off my character like <laughs> almost immediately um and then told me like i was like oh like so like what happens now and they're like you can never play again for the rest of your life and <laughs> and they're like that's the way the game works like we tried to warn you you should have waited until you were older and better at the game so, and i'm like wait so like none of you have ever died and they're like yep like that's why we didn't play when we were young and i believe that for the longest time like until an older age where i definitely would not have believed that if they had told me but mm -hmm. i like was still like chasing that high so finally i was like i don't care about the rules i'm gonna ask I'm going to ask for Barnes and Noble gift cards for Christmas and I'm going to buy all the rule books. And I was probably nine and I read all like the dungeon master's guide and the player's handbook, like front to back. And I'm like, that wasn't a rule. <laughs> <laughs> Those dicks. <laughs> so my brother was decided like, not for D and D, but um, he's 17 years older than me. Okay. And uh, he came to live with us. It's my, half brother and um, he came to live with us when i was like eight mm -hmm. and it was around the time the snares was a thing so playing like uh, street fighter 2 and things mm -hmm. like that and of course he would learn the button combos and actually play properly because he was in his 20s um i was eight-year-old jamie going oh these buttons do the things and then yeah, figuring just... out how to do a special move and just spamming the crap out of it yeah because you're like i figured out one secret <laughs> yeah exactly so Every time he would play against me, he'd always be Ryu and would always whoop my ass until I'd go mm -hmm. somewhere like Delsim and just like punch. Then he <laughs> couldn't really do anything. Um, so because of his arms being longer than mine, he would reach over and unplug my controller. Mm -hmm. And in the time it took me to jump off the bed, run over to the console, try and plug my thing back in, I'd have been annihilated. So that's kind of the uh, the, the standard you know older brother response to that yeah i, I think it's fair not looking back you know yeah yeah he's using the resources available to him yeah. um, the secret move is having longer arms and understanding electricity yeah. <laughs> when when i used to babysit my three nieces i would just give them a controller that wasn't even connected to the xbox and just like yep. yeah we're like look how good you're doing and just play <laughs> or have a, a one-sided pillow fight where i would just put a pillow on the couch and then they would just ram their faces into it and laugh for forever <laughs> <laughs> so you weren't just like giving them magic mushrooms or something uh they might have just been dumb one of the two <laughs> i mean all kids are all kids start out dumb they like the, the goal as a parent is to make them not or to just about be behind where you're at. <laughs> well, I mean, as long as you don't actually want them to like succeed and surpass you. <laughs> if you if you need to feel superior to your children forever. Yeah, just hope they're not the ones putting you into a care home when you're Yeah. 
<laughs> very good point the more successful your children are hopefully the more money they earn and the more yeah, the more uh able they are to choose a good care home and yeah so that, that was the thing with my my dad being a, a musician when i came along it was like no we'll give him an introduction in music and then if it takes then great if not then uh you know because my dad was a time served electrician as well mm-hmm. so he always had a career to fall back on if he needed to and uh with me i, I didn't take to music i was too busy wanting to go and play with lego rather than um play whatever he was getting me to to play mm-hmm. whereas my little brother now um is phenomenally gifted musician and uh, it's been acting as well so he's a great actor as well as a musician which is all the stuff that my dad did as well mm-hmm. does rather um, is he one of the six bbc actors <laughs> not yet <laughs> uh, future six when uh when the, <laughs> the next one goes but um anytime things need fixing or anything there's a computer problem i'm the first one they call mm-hmm. that's that's my dad's kind of thing of like I'm glad you didn't take up music, Jamie, because now you're useful. <laughs> <laughs> you have useful skills. Yeah. Yeah, my, um, I mean, I was kind of the same way. And, and my dad's also not necessarily a professional musician, but at least plays in a bunch of different bands on the side. And, mm-hmm. uh, but then he's a sysadmin for a, like a, what you call it, like an online high, or high school, online college. Um, but, the i'm like i never really picked up on music just tinkered with stuff forever and then that's exactly what my my job became is they're like we need somebody that can kind of do a bunch of stuff and (laughs) we don't necessarily want anybody that's great at anything but (laughs) we need to be able to we can only pay one person so you need to be able to do everything yeah i was gonna say that that's a that's a brilliant sort of segue into like not quite an introduction but i suppose to to perhaps give us a bit of uh what you do now as your as your fun um yeah so i mean i guess if anybody is listening that doesn't know me um <laughs> since uh, anyone since, who's not a youtube celebrity <laughs> yeah since that's <laughs> like 90 percent of my friends uh <laughs> the like I work at the uh, the planetarium, Clark Planetarium here in Salt Lake City, doing exhibit design and maintenance. Um, but do that because that's basically what I just already do. Um, I've worked at a couple different museums doing maintenance stuff, and then also run my own shop, making like usually different product design companies will like hire me to make prototypes or uh, make exhibits for places and. Um, one of my friends forced forced me to apply to this job because he had left the last museum I was at to become the education director at this one. And then he's like, there's a job opening. You have to come do it, partially because you're poor and basically homeless, and partially because I don't know anybody else that can do the job. <laughs> and then uh, I ADHD'd that away until the job listing passed, and then they relisted it. And he's like, you, ha- like, you have to apply or I'm going to tell your mom. I was like, that's going to be worse for you because you're going to have to interact with my mom. That's not really a threat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, now I just go and um, tinker on things and try to figure stuff out because 
there's so much like weird exhibit stuff that like buy this exhibit pay some company like twenty thousand dollars for it and then eight years later it breaks and like there's very little documentation you call them mm -hmm. and they're just like oh the dude that made that is gone or dead or something um and so i'm just like okay well i need to look at this pile of wires and stuff and figure out how it's supposed to be working and make it do that again <laughs> Um, or just rip the internals out and put something fresh in front of all of it. Yeah, and that's there's a few exhibits that I'm working on right now that either it, it's that either because I don't necessarily understand what it was supposed to be doing, but I understand what like the end result is. So I'm like, hmm. okay, I just need to redesign the internals to make it outwardly do the same thing. Or because I recognize design issues that are just like, this whatever problem happened is just going to happen again unless I completely revamp this. Yeah. Um, we've got one right now that's um, it's it's called Crater Maker and it's supposed to kind of signify how craters happen on the moon. And in most other um, versions of the same exhibit, they throw like steel balls at sand, um, yeah. but then the balls mm -hmm. have to be like sifted out, put into a track, and the dust gets everywhere and it's in the ass so ours is just a puff of air and it's basically just got like a paintball canister with a camshaft that pumps three pistons so you turn a, you have the kids turn a crank until it gets up to a certain pressure and then you press the button it shoots the thing um and you oh, can nice. press another button that'll make it take um, some slow-mo footage that you can turn a knob to like scrub back and forth through it um and it's a cool exhibit except for the crankshaft that they built is awful um and so it's like the concept is there <laughs> but they kind of just took a bunch of aluminum blocks and put mm. bronze bushings in them for all the linkages and bolted stuff together but there's just kind of too many points of failure and points of like things being not quite aligned so yeah. it just progressively grinds itself apart or loosens stuff because it's not all rotating and be like collinear with um, <laughs> with itself. Um, and so like I fixed one issue initially because they've got um, multiple bearings along this crankshaft and then a mm -hmm. long rod sticking out that goes to the pulley that goes to the crank that you turn. But there was nothing supporting the end of that long shaft. So every time you turn the crank, it would oh, when it was no. doing the torque, it would just pull up on it a bit. And it just and kids aren't really known for the delicacy when interacting with stuff either. Yeah. Well, and they installed this exhibit in 2016. So and I started there just over a year ago. So by mm. the time I got there, like just all sorts of stuff was wonky and like not turning straight anymore because <laughs> things were bent and um the crank spiral rather than the crankshaft. Yeah, and there's and there's a couple of the bronze bushings that most of them will stay fine and work, and a couple of them just turn into dust within weeks. Um, and, and so it's just like, okay, I need to just completely redesign and rebuild this thing. So I'm working on that right now and haven't decided yet if it's going to be just a better crankshaft. Mm -hmm. um, or I was, I might just do basically spring return pistons that are have bearings rolling on cams so that it's just squishing them that way. Um, but 
either way, it's still just going to squish pistons and put air into a tank yeah. so that you can squirt some sand. Um, but the other thing that I'm making for both that one and another exhibit is a is a desiccant, basically an automated desiccant drying box because when we get into our rainy season and it gets humid, mm. the sand starts clumping up and doesn't work right. Of course. Um, and so like you shoot the air and it just seems like it's not working because it's just hard. <laughs> um, and it has kind of a big rotating plate that all the sand sits in with a fork. So it's kind of Zen gardening itself. Um, oh, yeah. But it'll all just kind of clump up and roll and like big chunks that will break out together. <laughs> um, and then we've got another one that shows is supposed to show how magma comes up from the Earth's core. Mm -hmm. And it's it's pretty much just an ant farm um, that has an air pump in the bottom. So you've got like two panes of plexiglass with the same sand mm -hmm. in the middle. And then you can turn a pump to um, give more or less voltage to this air pump and let it run up through and make its own path. And it'll like build up a little mound and then spill out. So you can see kind of the way the magma happens. Um, nice. But same issue. Mm -hmm. It gets all clumpy during wet time um <laughs> and also it doesn't um it needs like a vibrator attached to it to reset the sand because right mm. now occasionally we just have to walk past it and just like pound on the glass um to <laughs> get it all to settle back down <laughs> um and and i was like okay well well i'm already in here might as well also throw some addressable leds in there to make nice. it so that it as you turn the voltage up on the pump it also raises like a red backlight so that you can see kind of the magma coming up to the surface um so like need to re redesign and rebuild all sorts of stuff all the time <laughs> and i need to finish the desiccant box i have it like halfway built well like it's all built i have it halfway programmed um and with a little uh i got just a silicon pad heater for um like car batteries if you live in mm. alaska um have that running through a solid state relay and uh go into a pipeco to just run like a little pid loop every time um i kind of want to just bake out the desiccant probably once a night if it seems like that's reasonable but then more often if it measures that the humidity is too high so you're just going to heat the sand or are you going to use a separate desiccant to pull yeah separate like in the hole yeah so I, i'm going to build a separate box unit. yeah a separate box that's filled with desiccant um and has a fan to draw the air inside the exhibit through it so i could just kind of constantly oh, be circulating it and pull pulling the humidity out yeah exactly at first, I thought you were going to be like removing the sand from the exhibit to dry it out every so often. Or... Um, yeah, right now we've got some like inline desiccant things with fans, but that you can take out and bake in a toaster oven, which is what we're currently doing. Mm. But once it starts raining, you have to like normally we could do it like once a week and we'd be fine, um, partially because like it's a desert here. Um, <laughs> but once it gets into the there's like a month or so in the rainy season where it's like it gets saturated again in an hour and then it's just like mm. cool the exhibit's broken again 
it's just going to be clumpy for a while because there's only me and one other exhibits person that has, we have kind of the same job, just kind of mm. cover whatever our specific expertises are. Um, so there's not really a whole lot of extra manpower to be constantly pulling the desk in out of the exhibit, taking it across the sheet to the shop, baking it in the toaster oven. <laughs> Especially while you've got kids running around trying to use the thing as well. Oh yeah. I was, I, I try to pay attention to the schedule for when we're going to have field trips in because otherwise, I mean, you get Come. kids like literally just climbing on top of you while you're trying to fix stuff. And you're just like, can you please not be like literally standing on me? Um, <laughs> it's broken anyway. It's not going to do anything. I've got it turned off. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> yeah. Large groups of kids your field trips yeah. it is interesting seeing like how different schools field trips behave like even kind of in the same age group um just depending mm. on kind of how much um the teachers keep them in control and also like i don't know how they're expected to behave normally um because yeah. it's just like different schools have a completely different feel um as to kind of how much they pay attention to their surroundings how respectful they are how much they just sprint and scream and bash into things uh, <laughs> i did see this little girl the other day we've got this one exhibit called um sea of clouds that is kind of talking about atmosphere on venus or something i don't remember um it's a, it's a big bowl with ultrasonic misters in it like there's nothing special about it really mm. um, which i guess really that's most exhibits are under the hood they're a very simple thing but this little girl ran up to it and the edge of the bowl is, was above her center of gravity and she ran up to it and like put both hands on the rim and lifted herself up and then just went straight over the side and just like plap like it went face first <laughs> into the exhibit and and like i could see it happening where like her momentum was carrying her over and it was just like yep she's going to smack her face straight into that thing. And like my immediate thought was, Oh no, she's going to lose her grip and slide into the bowl and cheese grater her face across the drains. Um, oh. Cause there's some like wire mesh drains in the bottom. So that all the condensation can run out and her dad or chaperone or somebody was right there. And he wasn't fast enough to stop her from mashing her face into the thing, but he was fast enough to grab her before she slid into the bowl. <laughs> I mean that conversation. Have you, have, have you seen Willy Wonka? <laughs> What'd you say, Andy? Have you seen Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory? Yeah, yeah, it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that conversation when you get home, you're like, um, "What happened to you? Why have you got? Why is your face all cut to ribbons?" Like, oh, I, I fell into Venus. <laughs> <laughs> my there's a school picture of my little sister from when she was in. I don't know what grade, but she was pretty young and she was pretending to be a cat and she was running around on all fours and she jumped off of a chair on our concrete porch and tried oh. to land on all fours, but just collapsed her hands and then had this huge scab that went straight down the bridge of her nose and on her forehead a little bit. And the school pictures were the next day. So it's oh, just amazing. this picture of her looking all grumpy and just like <laughs> this <big> scab. <laughs> And I think it was like right before she jumped, somebody like my mom or my stepdad was like, don't jump, don't jump off the chair. You're going to hit your face on the ground. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the, the, the benefits of uh, of being an adult, you know, kind of remembering when we did the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, or, <laughs> I, I don't think I ever did the, the face mashing into the ground trying to pretend to be a cat, but um, I've definitely hurt myself in other probably arguably dumber ways. Yeah, and, and probably have at some point been either a cat or another animal and done something differently done. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you, you mentioned before about um, you know the kind of the ADHD in your uh, job <laughs> until it went away. Um, that was just after you'd moved out of the previous shop, if I remember rightly. I remember that it'd been similar sort of time frame. Yeah, it was, and I think that was part of part of why my friend was um, helping me out is he he knew I was. <laughs> we know going, the situation, but you know, apply he, for this. Yeah, he he knew I was going through kind of a rough spot financially and um, getting rid of all my big tools, moving back into my dad's basement for a little bit, setting mm. up my my little tiny shop in in my dad's basement, which is where I am right now. Um, and uh i don't i don't know if it's podcast appropriate but the um this friend is the centaur friend which you know from pre <laughs> previous yes. to this yeah that, that's an if you know you know kind of moment <laughs> for, for those listening but, um yeah because they up until you know we were talking about your your previous shop that was the uh what some would call it the make a dream of having a monster workshop that is also where you live. Yeah, and it if I was more self-sufficient and stable, um, I think it could have been. Uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways, it, in a lot of ways, it still was, but it was definitely a little bit of a, a clusterfuck. And like the the space that I had before that one was worse, where it was like. I was living there because I had to, not because I wanted to. <laughs> and um, and it was like a crappy shop on kind of like the outskirts of like industrial part of the city that I had kind of a don't ask, don't tell policy with my landlord where they were basically like, if we ever have an, a conversation about it, it's technically illegal for you to live there. So like, if we talk, like, I know you live there but I'm not going to say anything, but if we have a conversation about it, I'm going to tell you, you have to leave. (laughs) (laughs) But that space it had, I mean, it didn't have running water in the space. It was a row of like seven shops with a bathroom Mm. at the end. Um, So I would like, I had set up, I built a shower out of like, I bought like an electric car shower pump um, and then (laughs) cut the, cut the, the cigarette lighter plug off and just put a 12 volt supply on it. And and I would go take like a five gallon bucket to the bathroom and fill it up with water and then bring it back and put like a soup immersion heater in it, like a sous vide <laughs> um, and shower in this big concrete room. Um, <laughs> nice. And uh, I think the, the hottest, I don't remember. I'm bad at Fahrenheit to, um, Let's see, F to C. <laughs> the hottest I ever measured it in my like bedroom 
was 48 C, so 119 uh, uh, Fahrenheit. And then negative 22 C for coldest I ever measured in my bedroom. Uh, that's for me as well. Yeah, uh, I'll skip that. Yeah, that was that was awful. So like, it was cool in a lot of ways, but also like, it was mostly a result of me not being able to manage my life. <laughs> well, I mean, the shop in between then, the because when when we kind of mm-hmm. I don't want to say discovered you, but when when we became <laughs> friends, <laughs> when we found you, yeah, yeah, um, when you adopted yeah, you, me. <laughs> Yeah, when when we adopted you as, as just a, a fellow Brit with a funny accent, um, you know, it, it was that it was a it was a nice big fully kitted out workshop mm-hmm. that you happen to live in, rather yeah. than people having a house that has a workshop attached. Yours was a workshop that you could. Yeah, it was. I, I the workshop was the priority in my life, and so I went, okay, I'm going to rent the space, and I will also make this one small room off to the side where i live and have a tv and a couch <laughs> i and a, a cnc that you could have you know turned into a king size bed quite comfortably and still been able to use to work around on mm-hmm. it it was funny cuz like the cnc's full cutting area was um it was just over five by ten feet, um, so it was it was like a eight by thirteen foot footprint on the whole machine. So it's bigger than my car. Um, <laughs> and I, for a little while, I had a Tinder profile, and I I put on the thing like, if you come have beers with me, I'll let you take a ride on my giant robot, and that's not a euphemism, um, <laughs> because because the spindle was beefy enough that you could just sit on top of it and and it would drive you around like while it was cutting. <laughs> I remember at one point you have a smaller CNC that you'd placed on your big CNC. Oh, yeah. Like storage. <laughs> it was because no, it was because Winston Moy came and oh, yeah. and I had been talking to Winston a little while cuz it was when he did his road trip like he was moving from some somewhere on the east coast to west coast for a job um and so every state that he drove through he did a meetup and i had kind of mm-hmm. talked to him a little bit about like oh yeah let's do a meetup at my shop like it'd be cool we can get some local makers to come and and he was like oh i was thinking about bringing i was thinking about and he's like i know there's a few people there that have i forget what brand of cnc he works for xcarp maybe but he's like, there's a few people that have yeah, the things. So like, I'll, do you have space to set up some tables and we can set up everybody's CNCs? And I was like, yeah, everybody, you can just set up all your CNCs on my CNC. And, <laughs> and Winston's like, I don't think you, I don't think you realize how big these are. Like there's a few people that have like the X carve pro or whatever. And I'm like, I don't think you realize how big my CNC is. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yes, so Winston brought his, and I think a couple other people brought theirs, and I just drove my gantry all the way to one end so there was room to set them all up um, and then put, like, a big pizza on my table saw. Um, and, yeah, and, it was, and that was actually, like, one of those things where I wasn't managing that event planning very well, and so, like, I'd been talking to Winston about it, 
kind of offhand and then somebody else well and then somebody else posted in like their local maker group or something and said oh i was thinking we should plan a meetup for when winston's here we're all gonna meet at this bar and um another friend sent it to me and was like i thought we i thought you were talking to winston about doing a thing at your shop but we hadn't like fully like solidified the Mm -hmm. details uh so i just messaged like I responded to the guy and went, Oh yeah, I already talked to Winston. We're doing it at my shop, <laughs> but we can all go get beers afterwards if you want. And he was like, Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I think for, for kind of a, a context and scale, I think for, for people to visualize this, this space, it's kind of, if we took all of the stuff that Jimmy DeRest has got in his, you know, like the, in the, the, the maker church, Mm-hmm. And then all of the space that's in between everything, if you removed that. <laughs> if you made it so there was just a walkway between every machine. Uh, yeah, that's that's about right, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my last shop was about 1,300 square feet. Um, and nice. I, I, was actually, I was actually just talking to my, um, my therapist about the fact that there's been a bunch of times over the years where people have come into whatever space I currently have and then describe it as a super villain lair. Um, <laughs> I, I can, yeah, I can see that. And, and I never necessarily, um, I never necessarily got it. It was just like, I mean, I don't disagree, but like, there's just <laughs> been so many times where people have been like, Oh yeah, you're a super villain. And like, like, I don't mind that description, but um the at the last shop i think it was the most super villainy because specifically because my electronics workbench um i got this guy had retired from ge and gave me his old bench um because he was like well i don't need it anymore and i was like well i want a decent bench to set up like my oscilloscope and soldering stations and everything but i don't i'm like i don't do enough of it to want to leave the bench out all the time but i do enough of it that i want to don't want to put all the tools away every time (laughs) so i just got this bench and then lagged eye bolts into every corner and hooked it to a big winch that went into the ceiling and then over to the other side of the room so I could just raise it into the ceiling and then like (laughs) taped out on the floor where it would land so that if I needed to work on stuff I could just like clear that spot and drop it down Um, and at the beginning of the pandemic I got a bunch of free LCD monitors that I started selling to people because they were because everybody was going to work from home, so everybody needed to set up computers at home. And this dude came and bought two monitors from me and said, I feel like one of the funniest jokes I've ever heard, um, because first he said, has anybody ever told you that you live in a supervillain lair? And I was like, so many people. Like, why is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> and so then on on the Venmo like uh, memo, he put like a peek into the lair. Um, but then when he was leaving, he like took his monitors and was loading them into his car and was like, have a good day. And he's like, you too. Good luck stealing the moon. (laughs) And you went, how did you know? And I thought that was so funny. (laughs) And I was just like, damn it. That's such a good joke. And a good plan. You know, you just need to work out the logistics. Uh, well, I mean, did you ever watch The Tick growing up? I guess not growing up, but have you ever watched The Tick? 
um it was an american cartoon that was like a superhero cartoon but very kind of jokey um mm. and there's his main nemesis is chairface chippendale and he's this guy with a chair for a head and he builds a giant laser to shoot his name into the moon um, nice. and all the superheroes are like oh we've got to stop this thing stop chairface chippendale but they get there like well it's already happening so they blow up the machine after it just says like cha <laughs> so then for the rest of the cartoon there's this giant like cha burned into the surface of the moon <laughs> so you just you know send one of the superheroes to fly up there and spin it round so you can't see it anymore yeah or at least kind of just like rub, rub it out rub it out yeah. <laughs> Well, so the, the last kind of project I remember from you doing in that workshop was trying to come up with a uh, your own design for how to injection mold resin into your custom D20s. Yeah, I may have half of that mold in my heap right here. There's um, <laughs> <laughs> a heap I ignored earlier. <laughs> it is a heap that is right behind the camera. Um, so it was temporarily less important. Because um, that, that was another thing, wasn't it? You were you got that Cintiq, which I think was another one of those kind of uh, oh, this thing's broken. You can have it for it was a, nothing. That one was a university surplus. This one, um, which <laughs> is now also where all my maker stickers go, because I I used to have them on the fridge at my shop. The fridge moved to the nuclear engineering reactor at the university when I was dumping the shop. Um, and so then I was like, what tool do I see lasting the longest before I upgrade it? And I was like, mm. unless this dies, I don't think I'll ever like I don't I don't foresee there being a version that is good enough that I would actually pay money to upgrade because like it's great. I like it. Um, yeah. And so I went, all my maker stickers are now going on this. <laughs> then I wanted it to go on something that would like, that was a, I don't know, a part of creating other things. Yeah, a presence in your life there. Yeah. But um, yeah, so when everybody was learning to cook sourdough during the pandemic, um, I was like, okay, I'm finally going to learn 3D modeling. And like, I've done 3D CAD for forever, but I was like, I want to learn 3D sculpting and animation. And then I was like, what do I want to do with that? And because I need constraints on this project so that I actually know what to learn, because um, otherwise I'll just kind of meander forever and not actually do anything. And I was already doing resin cast dice. And it was like, OK, I want to do a, like an animation of like a and d fight scene and then take a chunk of that and just make it into a little tiny diorama and put it inside a die. Um, <laughs> they're fantastic. They're and, fantastic. Really and because of the way that I am, um, and with like basically just like a human manifestation of feature creep, um, <laughs> it was like, okay, I need to learn animation. And then it was like, oh, but what if I make it into a diorama? And then it's like, and then what if I like decide to do a series like it'd be cool if i did one of these like every month um it's been <laughs> yep. however many years and i haven't finished the first one 
um, <laughs> but still occasionally work on it. And yeah, and it's just like, um, I don't know, it's, um, I both enjoy and hate that the, the, I am that way. <laughs> well, I mean, in fairness, when you were doing all the modeling for it, you did have a an industrial, um, like, proper espresso machine within arm's reach of the of the Cintiq. So yeah, now that, it's, that might have in the other room. Um, so you kind of walk further. That's that's maybe the problem. That's why you haven't worked on it for a while. I actually um, one of one of the only YouTube videos I've posted uh, that is my shop tour. Um, oh, what's his face? Why can't I think of his name now? Bernie Solo. Bernie Solo? Works by Solo? Yeah, works by Solo. He commented on it, and he's like, I have the same espresso machine. Um, <laughs> and, and it's one that I found at a thrift store, and I saw it, and I was like, ooh, that is a that is a pretty object. I need it. And mm -hmm. and I was with, with Sagan, and, and she's like, why? Why do you need it? It's like, it's just like, what if it's broken? What if it doesn't even work? And I'm like, then I'll try to fix it. And if I can't fix it, like, it's just pretty. I want it in my life just sitting there so i can look at it i want the shiny box please yeah and then when i was moving one of my friends broke it um he tipped over a stack of two by fours and they hit it and broke the knob off the side and at first i was like it's not that big of a deal like it's annoying but i'll fix it but it jacked up a bunch of the plumbing inside too and it never mm. quite made it live again um and so then I was like, oh, I'll see if there's some spare parts on eBay. Uh, turns out it's a rare fancy espresso machine that's like 350 bucks. <laughs> and, uh, but I found a new one at Goodwill like two weeks ago <laughs> and replaced my broken one. <laughs> and it's the exact same model, except for it's the slightly smaller version because it doesn't have the grinder built in. So it's all the same. It's just a little shorter. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I'm I'm once again uh, caffeinated. Well, I and mean, now I've got Adderall too, so I've got caffeine and meth. Well, I've got the "We'll Make for Caffeine" T-shirt on today. So, but um, yeah, so that whole tangent uh, was the feature creep of trying to figure out how to industrialize my process for casting the dice, um, and so then it was like okay yeah i could just cast them but like if i do it the normal way and i want to make a bunch of them then that's a pain in the ass so it's like i i almost feel like i enjoy designing like i, I enjoy making and designing objects but i almost enjoy making and designing processes more yeah i definitely got that impression from you and and getting like and like okay so if i like add a sprue here and inject right on a vertice then like i can reduce the amount of flashing so that i've got less cleanup and then throw it in a vibratory tumbler and um and that and just like obsessively researching and learning so many different things all the time um then I build something like that and somebody goes like, oh, that's that's cool. How did you think of that? And I'm like, I don't know. That's just how it's done in industry for like injection molding. And they're like, yeah, why do you know that? I'm like, oh, I learned it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but I, I still need we, to... We to. Sorry, go ahead. Because I think we might need a, a public service announcement. You know, if if any of the makers listening are affected by the bits of information that we you know, we see in ourselves, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a manifestation of everyone's problems. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't see that. <laughs> I've had I've had a bunch of people tell me that I'm like young Adam Savage and and I'm like maybe, but I f- I feel like even with his like his basically his ADHDness, I I feel like he's a little bit more directed than I am. <laughs> he's just had staff to kind of That's you know, true. I have back into shape. I have given him given him shit before because um like jen schachter um i met her at uh what a hackaday after party from maker fair and we were talking about her being like adam's basically shop assistant and we bonded over the fact that like we were the only two people there that basically weren't youtubers so it was like we're both makers that don't aren't good at documenting our stuff (laughs) and um and so I, you know, I bully Adam through her, uh, where for the long time he he kept saying Arctic Birch on his channel instead of Baltic Birch, and every time I would see it, I'd be like, "Tell Adam, it's not called Arctic Birch," and I would comment on it too and just say like, "This is great information, but if you're trying to find the material that Adam is talking about, do not search the words he's saying because you won't find it." <laughs> and like I agree with him that this is like the best plywood that I use for everything but <laughs> um, and yeah it's just like occasionally texting her being like Adam said the thing again tell him to stop it <laughs> like, uh, did he call you out on it though when you spoke to him uh, no but he uh, I think partially because the couple times that I've talked to him um, when I've when I've stalked him uh, he's uh, <laughs> it was before bullying him about it uh, ah, that's fair. But yeah, the first, um, I guess, uh, might as well tell that story since it's the the default maker story that I always have to tell everybody. Um, <laughs> from the first time that I like hung out with him for a little bit, and it was I was with um, a Switch and Lever, Daniel from Switch and Lever, and a few other people, and we had gotten a, a tip early on because at Maker Fair they always do Adams. Uh, Sunday sermon where he does his yeah. um, his speech about the current status of making, but they don't tell they don't put it on the schedule of what stage it'll be at uh, because people swarm the stage and it'll be a pain in the ass. So yeah. instead, they just say the time and then they put him on like an art car and like loop the loop the uh, event so that everybody will just start following behind and then take him to the place. And we had we had gotten kind of early information about where it was going to be. So we were watching a different talk uh, from somebody from Leica um, that was right by the stage where he was going to give a talk. And mm-hmm. just like listening to the talk, super interesting because stop motion is cool. And then I hear a bunch of commotion behind me and look and there's Adam on a land speeder. And, <laughs> and I'm like, they've got Mandalorians in the front and steampunk people in the back. And because they had like the local 501st there um, mm-hmm. and they were the or whatever the 501st version of the Mandalorians is. I forget 
Um, yeah, come on. And then the steampunk people were the were the Burning Man people that built the car. Um, and so nice. they were doing like crowd control. And I just see him and I go, I look a little bit steampunk right now. So I just stepped in and started being like, please don't touch the car. Stay away from the car. And... <laughs> and get to like the security gate at the back of the um to go backstage and one of the security guys like puts his hand up to me and he's like are you with them and i was like um i'm doing crowd control <laughs> and he's just like okay like go for it <laughs> it's like lets me in the back and then um, we had a group chat for our airbnb that was just a bunch of maker people and Daniel sent a picture of the stage and was like, where'd you go? Here's like the view of the stage. So you can try to kind of like reverse engineer where we are. And he's like, we got a good spot. And so I just sent him a pic back, a picture of me and Adam. <laughs> and he's like, how'd you get back there? It's like, just like a tiny bit of subterfuge. Like the, just the lightest. Engineering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, Adam's like social media manager, publicist person. Uh, I'm spacing her name, but doesn't Catherine? matter. We, yeah, I think that's it. She came up. She came up to me and she's like, "Okay, I need to talk to you because like you are like the spitting image of one of my coworkers." And I was like, "Oh, who's that?" And she said, um, "Sean Charlesworth." And I was like, "Oh, I was literally just talking to Sean like five minutes ago." <laughs> And I was like, so do you work at Tested? And she's like, kind of. I work directly with Adam and like separate from Tested, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, and she's asking me like why I was there, what I what I do. And I was showing her some of the stuff I'd worked on. And she's like, this is all really cool. I'm going to like follow you on social media. Mm -hmm. And then like, maybe you can come to the cave someday if you actually post stuff so that you have like <laughs> enough like clout to make it make sense, basically. So it's not just like oh, this total rando came to my shop, <laughs> and I was like, "Awesome! Like, de I'm definitely gonna do that." Have not done that. Um, <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah, and then it was like, okay, I want a chance to talk to Adam a little bit more. Uh, so, like, specifically position myself to be doing crowd control next to him at the um, like <laughs> while we're driving the land speeder <laughs> and. And he like jumps in and he's like, ah, like this is great. And then looks up at me and he goes, You look just like Sean Charlesworth. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, except I'm the better Sean. I was like, he looks like me. I don't look like him. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then when they were when I mentioned to mentioned about the thing being Baltic birch and not Arctic birch. Um, I think it was Jen, but I don't know. It might have been somebody else that works with them that told me like, oh yeah, we had a struggle finding it because we kept looking for Arctic birch um, mm -hmm. because we were buying it from Glowforge, but wanted to be able to get it like in quantity and break it down and not have it be so expensive. And we assumed that like Glowforge calls it Baltic birch, but we assumed that that was a word that they were using to obfuscate the actual material. So we weren't <laughs> looking for that. And I was just like, you guys, like, you have my number. <laughs> like, literally just text me. I could have, like, because they said, like, oh, yeah, it took us, like, weeks to find it. And I'm like, I could have solved this for you in, like, 30 seconds. 
uh, yeah. So then, like the next Maker Fair I went to, I was like, "Well, gotta sneak in to backstage with Adam Savage," and mm-hmm. wandering around, completely missed the time. And I'm like, "Oh, what's this big crowd for? Like, what's going on over here?" And like, come around the corner, and he's already giving his talk, and I'm like, "Oh, damn it!" <laughs> like, okay, backup plan. I'll just be waiting in his autograph booth when he gets done and gets there. Like I'll, I can be like sitting in the chair and just be like, like, hi, Adam. <laughs> and so like, I just kind of like hung around the back gate to the stage and was just like looking for an opportunity and like opening the gate, opening and closing it to let people in and out. And, um, and then this like, event person that was obviously panicked runs up to me and he's like he's like hey do you know where the autograph booth is because i need to take this bucket full of ice and snapples there um for adam (laughs) and i was like i don't but that guy does and it was the security guard that had questioned me the year before and he saw me that year and recognized me and like said something about like you're not allowed to sneak in this time (laughs) and so i was like that guy knows where it is though and i was like and i was like the battery on my walkie died so if you go can you go ask him and then come tell me (laughs) (laughs) and so he goes and tells the dude or goes and asks the dude comes back and and he says where it is and i'm like i'm like cool i'll go with you and he's like i have to hurry because like the talk is almost over and i'm not gonna be able to get there in time i was like that's fine and so we start going and we go to one area of the park and and it's not where we're supposed to be going and this kid is like freaking out because he's like i need to give this thing to adam <laughs> and um uh, and i was like i don't think we're in the right place call somebody on your walkie-talkie and ask them where where it actually is because they also had a really confusing naming schemes because it was like mm. it was like maker tent maker store maker like maker bench and like it was just like too many similar things and so they tell him over the radio and he's like i don't know where that is and i'm like i don't know exactly where that is either and they're like it's right by the big metal horse statue and i was like oh i do know where that is like let's go (laughs) and so i'm leading him and then we see the thing right as somebody else calls me and they're like hey isaac come do something and I like turn and he's just like gone because he's like on a mission. And I'm like turned to the other person. I'm like, uh, just I'm on a quest. Like, leave me alone. Like, <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> and so I and the like the dude goes through the thing and then I catch up and the guys at the there's like two security people on either side of kind of the back entrance to the tent. Mm. And um oh, and I had texted his uh publicist person in the morning and said like i'm gonna find you guys <laughs> and she's like <laughs> and she's like i can't tell you our schedule because that would be insider trading and i was like that's fine it's not fun unless it's a challenge and <laughs> and she had obviously told adam because when i'm coming up to the bench i'm like or up to the bench the tent i'm thinking in my brain i'm like what am i gonna say to these people to like social engineer my way through that door <laughs> yeah and and i'm like thinking and thinking and thinking and then all of a sudden i'm i'm there and i haven't thought of anything (laughs) and they both like put their hands up like oh sorry you can't come this way and i just like reflexively pushed both their hands down and went i don't have time for you and walked right through (laughs) 
and one of them like put his hand on my shoulder but i already had the momentum so he was like came through the door with with you and adam goes you made it like and and so then the dude immediately just lets go my shoulder and just walks out because he's like oh he's supposed to be here (laughs) and yeah and so then i was like like hey adam like i know you need to get to your like throngs of fans because they hadn't started letting people in yet um, I was like, I just wanted to talk to you for a couple minutes, give you this little thing I made you, whatever. And so we just like BS for a couple minutes. And then he's like, I got to get to the thing. And I'm like, no, no, I do it. Like, I don't want to hold you up. You've got like a thousand yeah. people that you've got to deal with. I don't envy you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, I think the next day I was having lunch with at uh, Stephanie and uh, what Stephanie Simone, Alan Pan, a dude i forgot his name that was an ex pixar animator um i think simone's boyfriend maybe um and uh and alex jurassic and mm-hmm. telling him the story and simone goes wait are you doing that right now does anyone here know him <laughs> <laughs> and i, I suppose for, it... for context you you are very good friends with uh stephanie and uh, yes yeah, so, so i turned to <laughs> i turned to them and and alex immediately goes never seen him in my life and stephanie's like yep (laughs) i was like fuck both of you like we we talk like weekly at least (laughs) and and then another friend of ours that was in the airbnb with us sent a picture of me in the like vip area having lunch with them to our group chat and he was like why is isaac in the vip area and somebody goes oh is this your first maker fair with isaac And it was one of those moments where we like we got food. It started raining, and they're like, "Oh, well, let's just like we're all either VIPs or like mm-hmm. uh, staff or something. Like we can all go in there." And somebody goes, "Oh, well, Isaac can't come in." And everybody like looks at me like, "Wait, why are you here?" And I was just like, "It's fine. What are they going to do? Stop me while I'm with all of you guys?" And and I just like zip my jacket up because like it's raining. It makes sense. And so it was covering my badge, so you couldn't tell that none of the badges that I had collected over the weekend had a high enough credential. Um, and then took my backpack off and carried my food in one hand and my backpack in the other and like had my sleeves over my uh, wristbands so that when the security guard was just kind of like, you're good, you're good, you're good, and like looked at me and I just kind of like shrugged, like my hands are full, I can't show you the things. And he's just like, okay, whatever, you're good, you're good, you're good. <laughs> social engineering your way into fun places basically yeah exactly i i my therapist actually i told her this story recently and she told me because i told her i I was like i've told her in the past that i have uh occasional issues with hoarding and like (laughs) like tools and things and I I and i tell her the story and she goes oh so you hoard social experiences too And I was like, yeah, I guess yeah. I do. I was like, I, I have always liked collecting stories. Like I like both interesting stories from other people, but I like creating them for myself. And so I was like, yep, I also hoard stories and social experiences. That That's a worrying parallel that I hadn't, I hadn't made that connection with myself. But yeah, <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> thanks, Deanna. Not <laughs> Troy, unfortunately. 
<laughs> Can you imagine? You know, half baked as I as a, as a the, the whole therapeutic industry would be uh, way, way, way ahead of where it is now if they were all both sides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I told I told her that that was the first connection I made when my other doctor referred me and said, you need to talk to Deanna because she was like the therapist in my GP's mm-hmm. office. And my GP said she had never heard that connection. But when I told my therapist, she was like, yeah, a few people have told me that. <laughs> You'd expect it. Yeah. Really would. (laughs) Well, and then, like, working at the planetarium, everybody's a big either Star Wars or Star Trek nerd, or most, a lot of Dune. Um, And I was surprised Mm. how many people I had to explain the joke to. (laughs) Because I was like, I'm not even a huge Star Trek nerd. Like, I mean, I like Star Trek, but I haven't even watched DS9 at all. And uh, thank you for being on the show. Well, uh... <laughs> I think it was I think it was my first week at work. I said I hadn't seen Wrath of Khan, and the director at the planetarium was like, "Be careful what you say in the office." And I was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> like trying to think, like, what did I say that was inappropriate? And he's like, "You're still on probation." And he's like, "You've got ninety <laughs> days. I can fire you for not seeing Wrath of Khan." <laughs> and it would be legitimate as well. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I think that all started with dice somehow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we knew it wasn't going to be particularly linear. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't keep like a a flow chart of the conversation. So what? Uh, did we? <laughs> no, I think we stopped trying to take notes about eighty odd episodes back. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I take notes every episode. I take notes every episode. There they are. You do, yeah. Yeah. I think I, I stopped taking notes about ninety-eight episodes, but but I'm only taking I'm only taking names. Yeah. yeah I just so. I just don't I just don't write write fast enough. If I'm taking notes, I'm not paying attention because <laughs> I'm trying to write the thing that you said four sentences ago, and then I'm like, wait, what did you just say while I was writing? <laughs> That's why I, I, I write the names. It, it's worth probably um, addressing the fact that, that we get to hang out with you sort of fairly regularly. Um, we, uh, we sort of have like a Monday meeting or a Monday hangout with a, a group of nerdy friends, which you uh, the, the timing overlaps quite nicely. So you, you sometimes yeah, I, kind of pop in on your way home. Yeah, I try to I try to get off work early every Monday so that I can make it before everybody's going to bed. Yeah. I, just, just, just a callback, Jamie. How, how did Isaac get in on that meeting? <laughs> <laughs> just appeared, I think, and we, we didn't it's, question him. That's how I enter most people's lives. I just appear. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like a NPC force of nature. <laughs> yeah, a constant side quest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I was actually in, um, I had joined two different maker discords, um, the the Fools with Tools one and Morley's. Um, mm. And then the Fools with Tools one just wasn't 
as active as I yeah, wanted because because yeah, I was yeah. like looking for people to BS with because the I, I used to be in a Google Hangouts with a bunch of different YouTube woodworkers that um, mm. just kind of fizzled. Um, and then Morley's was like, okay, but just didn't necessarily like, wasn't quite the right group for me. So I was still like looking around and I think somebody had posted a link to Maker's Magnet and I was, and I was like, yeah, I'll get in that. And then started, I hadn't picked up on the pattern. I just started, I knew that people would do video calls and I have no concept of time. So I didn't realize it was happening every Monday. It was just <laughs> like, and it was just like, oh, that's fun when I see them in time. And then somebody yeah. was like, well, or you could just come to them on purpose because they happen every Monday. And it took me yeah. months for somebody to tell me that. And I was like, oh, cool. Yes, I will do that. And now you've become a, you know, a, a feature in the, uh, in the Monday Night Hangouts. Yeah. But um, I think the um, the 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 best thing about that for me is the name that it's kind of uh, the name that it's become for you and your friends at least. Yeah, yeah, because I always call it my council meeting for the Council of Brits, um, yeah. and occasionally other Europeans. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, I'll tell, like, I mean, when I'm leaving work early, I'll be like, "Oh, I'm going to leave a couple hours early today." And my boss will be like, "Oh, like, what for?" And I'm like, "It's a council meeting." And um, <laughs> and I've I've told um, there was somebody I was just randomly chatting to online that was British, but they were saying they came to America and they found some cereal that they loved, and then they had to find like the international food aisle at the store, go to the American food yeah. store or something to get like Lucky Charms or something, and um, and I was like, oh. They said, I wish I had a group of international friends I could have talked to to let me know that this existed. And I was like, yeah, you need to get a council. And he's like, what does that even mean? And I was like, yeah, anytime I have any like international questions or like project issues, I just need to bounce ideas off of somebody. And I was like, I just make sure that I get to a council meeting with my council of Brits. And he's like, I'm British and I don't even have a council of Brits. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's been a, a few evenings where we've been sort of chatting, and you know, you've still been at work, and there's been like you know, to mute your mic and have a conversation. And then it, the head will just kind of appear, you just <laughs> kind of point at us and go, "Look, council meeting." See, <laughs> um, I was Sagan has a a British uh, co student um, in her master's program that. Uh, emigrated here for whatever reason uh, but I was talking to him the other day because we went and grabbed uh, drinks after some like semester end event hmm. and I was mentioning that I had the council meeting and that at one point you and Duncan were arguing over um, you being Jamie um, you and Duncan were arguing over like or order of operations for tea and as soon as <laughs> as soon as I said it, he goes, and this is like, this dude is like abnormally nice. He's a very nice person. <laughs> and mm. as soon as I start saying that, he just goes, if you put in milk first, I'll burn your fucking house down. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> oh, I did mean to, that reminded me, I met I, one of my things that I forgot to write down to ask you is what brand of tea do you drink? 
so I, I don't drink a lot of tea, but I tend to prefer Assam uh, as a as a thing rather than a, a blend. But mm -hmm. Yorkshire tea, which, is a, which, is, a, which is blend rather than a, a brand. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Because because he drinks PG tips. It's not horrific. There are worse. That's fairly that's acceptable. And I and I said obviously to keep it PG, you need just the tip. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so Sagan ordered some PG tips so they can have a, a tea hangout and he can <laughs> give her a proper tea experience. <laughs> nice. Anyway, we have had the, the Sorry, tea controversy recently with uh, with um, Dan saying about making tea in a microwave. So, oh, yeah, I did, I did hear that because yeah. I, um, I was like to prep to prep for Maker's Waffle. I should probably listen to at least most of another episode um, <laughs> since I think I've listened to like probably two thirds of Duncan's, probably close to the same of uh, Allie's. Alex's is the only episode I've listened to all the way through. <laughs> I mean, that was an impressively long episode in it, in and of itself. Yeah, it's like yeah. four and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. And then... Because it's the second or third longest? Yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm thinking at some point we need to clear our diaries for a couple of days and then get Alex and Jesse on at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how long was Jesse's? Just under five hours. Yeah, four hours, 55, <laughs> 19 seconds, if I remember rightly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll bring uh, bring bring snacks and yeah, know. yeah. It looks like I'm pre prearranged uh, toilet breaks. Yeah. <laughs> well, stop that! Stop playing podcast phone. Um, yeah, it looks like I'm roughly halfway through the simple electronics episode. <laughs> I mean, that's impressive because you'll have been listening to that in like three minute chunks over the last couple of weeks. Well, I mean, the problem is that like it's interesting. But I have to turn it off if I'm focusing on something because like, I can't pay attention to both at the same time. The only podcast that I consistently listen to, ev like every episode all the way through, is the Hackaday podcast. Which is fair. Yeah. Which, I mean, in the same vein as everything else in my life, I um, open source is coming with um, William Osmond's event. And yeah. I was mentioning to a friend of mine that I also met at the, the Hackaday Tindy meetup after the last Maker Fair. I was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to do one after open source since it's like kind of supposed to be a Maker Fair spiritual successor mm. and same city and everything else. And I was like, I'll mention it to Christina and check if they already know. And she was like, who's Christina? And I was like, oh, one of the hosts on the Hackaday podcast. And <laughs> And my friend goes like, "Why do you know Christina? Like, like she's like, I forget that you know everybody." And she's yeah, like, "Why do you know all of the people?" Yeah. And then she was like, well, "Why do you know Christina?" And I was like, "Because she's interesting." So I talked to her. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Like, I, I was like, it's exactly the same. I just I find interesting people and I insert myself into their lives." <laughs> I was like, "It's not like we had a shared group or anything." I literally just DM'd her and went, "Hey, you're my friend now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. and and mocked her for her keyboard um or <laughs> made because she's like the resident like keyboard 
nerd on Hackaday, and she always writes mm-hmm. the the Keeban with Christina articles. <laughs> and I found a picture of a keyboard that was like all enter keys or something. <laughs> and I, nice. um, oh no, it was we were talking about the uh, the Amstrad um mm. cpc 464 and i was talking about how huge the enter key is on it and i sent it to her and i said thought you'd enjoy this and she was like uh that's an enter key that requires like reverence like at least two key two fingers to actuate that enter key <laughs> and um and i found a picture of a keyboard that had enter keys like around the whole thing and I was like, is this your keyboard? I'm pretty sure this is your keyboard. <laughs> and, and she's like, no joke. I have more enter keys than shift keys on my keyboard or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, cool. Nice. Well, then I'm glad that my bullying was accurate based on my understanding of you from our brief conversations and listening to you on a podcast. <laughs> How's that uh, Amstrad project going? Um, Is it? (laughs) It's, where's my, it's up here in this dark corner. (laughs) So I suppose it's worth mentioning that you you bought an old knackered Amstrad from the UK Mm -hmm. with the express Uh, purpose of, of, well, uh, explain away. Yeah, I wanted to drop a, a Pico in it since they can do HID stuff and make it into my keyboard that I use for work um, and like replace the cassette area with a little window that like shows the electronics that are running it. Um, and uh, I have made zero progress on that. I bought it <laughs> and I went, ooh, this is nifty. And it's funny that it has a cassette in it called Super Grand. And that's very British. And <laughs> and then it went on a shelf, and it got and I got distracted with other projects. Um, but you, you did show it off to us a few times. Yeah, I did. Um, I have made a slight amount of progress in general on it by like like working on knowledge and like research and things that are required mm. for that project plus other projects. I just haven't actually gotten to that specific project yet it's one of those things where i've now reached the point where i know everything i need to do for it i just haven't dedicated the time to it because i mean i'm gonna have to like wire it into a pico and Mm. do the hid library or whatever to make it act as a keyboard but also it's old enough that it's missing keys that i definitely want (laughs) so i need to cut out some extra area on the case take keys that are on it, make a silicon mold of them, and then cast new keys that match the old keys so that I can add extra ones. Yeah, because it won't have a Windows key, for instance, will it? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I forget which keys it's missing, but a few. (laughs) (laughs) And my, My question is, why the Amstrad? Why not one of maybe the other more compact more keyboard like machines like a commodore so, 64 a commodore's figure or an acorn electron um i or, don't know or babbage's difference engine <laughs> <laughs> um the so i was i was originally wanting to do a commodore because i i have my dad's original vic 20 that he bought when like when they were new um mm. but i didn't want to 
murder that. So I started looking at broken ones on eBay. And then I went, uh, even broken ones are a little bit more expensive than I want to spend. Um, so I just started like looking at vintage computers, basically. I'd never heard of the Amstrad, but as soon as I saw it, I went, it was kind of the same as the espresso machine. I went, that is an object that I love, and I want it to be that one. <laughs> and it was much better. <laughs> I think I bought the, it, it isn't even necessarily broken. I think the, the thing said that they didn't have the ability to power it up or test it. Um, mm. So it could be working, uh, it, but it will never work again in its current state or it, as its original state. Um, but uh, I think I got it for like $20 or something. Awesome. And the keys are definitely a lot more faded than some of the ones I've seen. Like the, all the mm. colors are there, but they're very muted. <laughs> so I might have to do some like, retro bright or something to try to or just repaint them and then put like a automotive clear coat on them so that they're freshly mm. lacquered and don't wear off um you can see that it was near a window because um all the keys are like faded versions of the original color except for where a key next to them was casting a shadow and then there's a little key shaped yeah. rectangle where it's still the, the correct color <laughs> nice which um i'll have to get out my pantone book and figure out what the pantones for all the the amstrad yeah, colors the are <laughs> there's probably some uh, white paper somewhere that's got them all listed i mean yeah i mean somebody's probably already done the getting out the pantone book and figuring it out and <laughs> if you just google amstrad pantones it'll probably come up with all the information that'll True. take me two hours to figure out but i'll do it anyway <laughs> well, that, that sounds like a great way to spend some time. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. That, I don't know that "great" is the right adjective, but it is time <laughs> that will be spent. It is. Yeah, it, that sounds like a way to spend some time. <laughs> it is. I mean, like, I always feel like I like video games. But then I open them up, and then I as, like it'll get to like the loading screen, and then I just go. I mean, or I could get a Pantone book and compare it to an Amstrad, and then I immediately Alt F four the game before it even finishes loading, and start doing dumb shit like that. Well, I mean, it's saying before about you know like learning all of the stuff that you need to do to make the project happen. Mm -hmm. I've done that before quite a few times, probably more times than I want to admit, but uh, that process of learning what you need to do to complete the project and once you've got all of that information together in your head you've completed the project so you don't need to actually do it in reality and you can just mm -hmm. move on to the next one yeah you've you've completed the part that is actually more enjoyable than doing the project yeah um, like my, my fingers are squishy and not as dexterous as i want them to be or not as dexterous as they are in my brain so mm -hmm. some uh, damaging materials just move on to the next one yeah, it's like some, somebody posted a thing recently in the Craftsman Discord um, that was this really cool Colossus model they made. And they said it was the size of a bathroom. They didn't say the square footage of bathroom, but they said it was the size of a bathroom. And I was like, this diorama we is... Metric to use. <laughs> it's America. Um, we don't... We'll, we measure... We'll measure, any, measure anything in anything other than the metric system. <laughs> um other than drugs but uh so 
we oh yeah so he posted this thing and i was like that project like looks super cool he put a lot of work into it and that's the kind of project that i would love doing and i would love it right up until i'm finished with it and then i go i don't want this this is a huge <laughs> waste of space in my house and then it's like if nobody else wants it it's going in a dumpster because i don't actually care about the project i care about doing mm -hmm. it and like i care about the research and the action of making it and then as soon as it's done like i give no shits about it <laughs> yeah yeah i love that yeah and and that's part of why i like making tools and like like doing the amstrad thing it's like i'm making mm -hmm. something that i'm going to continue using because if i make something that or i mean even with the dice like i like making little pieces of art that i'm going to use while i'm playing the game because if it was literally just a piece of art that sat on the shelf i i would throw it away immediately i don't like i just don't care <laughs> yeah well i mean I, I remember discussions that we had when you were coming up with that project um of you know mapping the densities and things so that when you cast or when you you did the 3d print of the um of the diorama itself and <laughs> then cast mm -hmm. the other resin around it so that you would keep the balance of the dye and stuff like that. Yeah, the uh, the 3D printing resin is a lot denser than the the casting resin. Mm -hmm. um, and I use a casting... I use Crystal Clear 220 from SmoothOn, um, which is kind of a pain in the ass uh, because it's it's very particular like about what silicones you use and getting like timings and temperatures right and all this stuff mm -hmm. and if you don't use the right silicones it'll just not cure and just stays gooey um it's also very toxic and like when you go and buy it from smooth on it says like industrial use only like everybody within like 50 feet of you should have a respirator or all this stuff <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um and they sell like a sample size. Most of their stuff sells, they'll sell like a sample, like a quart size or something. And then like a gallon. Um, and the last time I tried, I guess not the last time, a few times ago, I called them and I went, okay, I'm pretty set on the fact that I'm using this resin. So can I use, order the next size up instead of the sample? And they're like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, why not? Like, it, and they're like, well, it's like, very industrial resin like if you don't know what you're doing you shouldn't be using it and i was like that's fine like i've been using it for years and they were like okay do you have a loading dock and i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> and they were like it literally go and they're like for this stuff it literally goes from sample to 55 gallon drum <laughs> <laughs> and it's like three thousand dollars or something and i'm like i will have two of the samples then <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and so like but it's the i mean they use it for like um the, i think one of the smooth on reps told me they use it for like casting replacement airplane headlight lenses because it's mm. just very optically clear um and it's nice that they've got good documentation because then like when i'm designing the diorama and blender i can go pull up the refractive index of the resin on the data sheet plop it into my renderer and then um, be able to actually look at it digitally and see like how the posing is going to look if you look at the die from different ways because it'll refract differently. Mm. Um, but if I just drop the 3D print in there, it's so much heavier that people will do a, a float test where they just dissolve a bunch of salt and water so that their dice will float and then they kind of tap it and see where it tries to settle. Mm. Um, 
And if I leave the 3D printing resin in it, there is no amount of salt that I could get to make it actually float to the top. But it would just stand up <laughs> on a corner with the 3D print stuff at the bottom. So that's when I went, okay, I can print the initial, but then I need to make molds of it and cast it so that I can recast it in the same resin so that when I paint it, it's just homogenous all the way through other than the paint. Um, mm. Because even if I'm forever late on the project, um, I want it to be good more than I want it to be done. <laughs> I also want it is, to be is... done, but the, the quality is more important to me to, to a, uh, a fault often. Um, like Ellen's uh, Secret Santa gift that took me two years. Um. <laughs> One arrived eventually, and it was well received. Yeah, and it was technically better than the one that I was originally going to give her. <laughs> In after... fairness, you, you had got everything ready, and then just your shock move happened. That is giving me more credit than it's worth, I think. Uh... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> or maybe more credit than is, is reasonable. <laughs> But I'm glad she liked the present that she eventually got. <laughs> now I just need to finish the 100 dice that I committed to um, so that I can move on to episode two with the new animation and the new model. <laughs> this is the, the one that's a month after you started the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. It'll, it was intended to be a month. It might be like a month and two years. <laughs> Just a month and a bit. Yeah. 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 A month and a bit. It's it's a good uh generic measurement of time. Yeah. It's one month plus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so people say I'll be there in a month. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's the same reason that I'm technically supposed to be at work or like at 8 30 every morning or at least that's my goal uh and often i'm there at 10 a.m and other times i'm there at six <laughs> aggregates out it's fine yeah i either i either show up so early that i'm the one that turns off the alarm for the building uh or i get there and i'm like rushing to stay ahead of the school groups to turn the exhibits on while they're walking through the exhibit space. <laughs> Get to walk in, in the dark, so it's planetarium. It's dark in space. Yeah, luckily the lights turn on on their own, <laughs> but most of the exhibits don't, so it's just like, is everything broken? And it's like, no. Uh, I'm just late. Uh, yes, allow me to fix them for you now. <laughs> Yeah, let me fix that by pressing on on the mm -hmm. remote. That's actually, we started doing a sensory Saturday thing for like uh, kids with autism or pe just people with various sensory issues where we open earlier and have a reduced volume and reduced lighting for mm -hmm. and, and any exhibits that we have that make like startling noises we keep off until the time. But um, that started a whole new project of like, okay, we need to automate this stuff because right now they're everything's 
or I guess a lot of things are just on like manual timers. So if it needs to stay mm -hmm. up, stay on either open up, open earlier or stay on later for an event, then me and Jesse, my counterpart, have to like go through and open every single exhibit and like push the buttons on the things. And I was like, why? Um, <laughs> and I, that and like just general troubleshooting, like people coming and being like, hey, this exhibit's not working. And 99% of the time it's just like reboot it and then it'll work. Um, and so like, I want to give people that aren't us the ability to just press a button to say like turn this exhibit off and turn it back on yeah. um because like we don't generally work on the weekends so then people will complain and be like oh well this ship broke like friday afternoon and then it was broken until monday morning and it was like it literally just needed to be rebooted and then it would have been fine and <laughs> um and i decided uh, that we decided that it was probably easier to automate everything than train people to do troubleshooting <laughs> very very much so <laughs> so i've been uh lately learning a bunch about doing node red to run a node red server to automate timing and then give like a simplified interface to whoever the supervisor is of the floor staff on mm. that day so they have just like a reboot particular thing button and like a turn everything on turn everything off or like sensory mode that lowers everything uh, which doing like relays to turn things on and off has been like that's really easy thing to research i have found very few things that or i haven't found anything commercially available so i think i might have to make my own that can change volumes of stuff um hmm. i found plenty of stuff that can change like the volume in windows where it's basically just talking to windows and setting the volume, but not all of our stuff is on the same system. So I want to put kind of like a man in the middle between the computer and the speaker that just like yeah. uses a transistor or something to like tweak the voltage uh, up and down uh, <laughs> to just give the speaker less voltage. I, I can see you getting to a point where you've just got like a, cast silicone end that goes over the volume control and then a stepper motor that just turns the volume down. I did consider doing exactly that. <laughs> uh, and and but I was like, I need something that's system agnostic because like there's so many different things that it needs to interface with. Mm -hmm. And I might end up making basically just a little board that has like all the circuitry on it for changing volume, a solid state relay, a Pico W so it can talk to Wi-Fi and have a bunch of these boards made so that I can just drop one in every exhibit. And like, even if it has redundant capabilities that are more than that exhibit needs, it won't matter. And then I can just have this yeah. kind of like general exhibit control board <laughs> that uh, lets a lot me... of merit in that. Yeah, well, and then it makes it also so I don't have to be like, oh, well, there's this brand of smart outlets on these things that interfaces with it this way, but then this thing couldn't do an outlet, so it's got like a relay on it, and this thing just needs volume, so it has this thing, and like, it's like, I just want a thing, and then I'll open source it and um, probably annoy my boss because it'll be depriving us of potential income for selling it to other museums, and I'll just be like, <laughs> Anybody can build this for themselves. 
use my discount code for PCB way. <laughs> uh, that would work if I had a YouTube channel and posted any of anything that I ever work on ever. <laughs> you must have enough friends that would bite your arm off to have that kind of thing that you could, you know, as a, as a product, you could throw their way to put on their channel. Mm -hmm. Probably. Um, and I mean, if I built that, like that would be a thing that would also just be useful, like for normal home automation stuff at home. Mm. <laughs> so it's like you can either build a hundred of them if you work at uh, work at a uh, like a museum or something, or you can build five for your house. <laughs> it's the, uh, the the home platform versus the pro platform is the uh, that's your your different tiers for getting people onboarded to your new global <laughs> enterprise. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll just like won't mention the fact that uh once like there's a hundred million of them in use that they will somehow steal the moon <laughs> call back <laughs> uh I, I think that might be i think this might be time to uh start thinking about kind of attention grabbers <laughs> as that kind of, kind of, sort of yeah, that would certainly grab people's attention, wouldn't it? Kind of sort of stealing the moon. Or at least selling them. Yeah. Just see whether they're actually reading the small print. Yeah. I mean <laughs> who's who says who who the moon belongs to? Maybe it's whoever takes it first. <laughs> well, I, th well, I, I think the, the the flags have been staked, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, but they they're faded now. They'll just look um I was going to say they all just look French, but what I meant was all just look white. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, but, Red, I mean... we love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that and like, I mean, can we believe Eddie Izzard that that is the way you claim anything? Like, if I, like, you might have a flag on it, but if I physically have it, <laughs> <laughs> now I own the moon and your flag. <laughs> Possession is not intense to the law, as they say. Is that over here sometimes? I'll put a flag yeah. on your flag. <laughs> Flagception. Kick the flag down. Put your own in. Yeah. <laughs> so you can just text me and said, I keep expecting you to tell them about the contents of your pockets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's a perfect, perfect first bit of attention. What's in your pockets? Uh, yeah, what's in your pockets, right? Yeah. <laughs> and thank so, you, Sagan. <laughs> yeah, I've got my my default uh, work assortment. Other than I took out my back pockets since I knew I'd be sitting still for a little while. Um, <laughs> Sounds like you just take the sword out. Yeah. Well, so I mean, the back pockets are uh, we're a bit check and the Leatherman EMT Rapid. shears. Yep. Um, that it's so cool those. I know. I just anytime somebody's like, "Oh, I need to go get some scissors," I'm like, "Oh, here," and they're like, "You have scissors like with you?" I'm like, "Yeah. Why don't you? <laughs> you obviously need scissors." Yeah. Um, and then left left pocket is just phone and pen and my uh, Duresta ice pick that I usually just call the pokey stabby. Um, <laughs> of course, yeah. And then and that's another thing that people go. They think I have like a shiv, and they go, "What is that?" I'm like, "It's no, a no, pokey, it's, it's a pokey stabby." 
it's a professional Pokestabby. It's a Jimmy Durastal. Uh -huh. It's not, yeah, not and just they, any old shit. Yeah, and they go, why do you po like? Why could you possibly have that? And I'm like, it's super useful all the time. And they're like, in what way? <laughs> like, if you have imagination, a lot of ways. Like, sometimes you need to manipulate something like that's deep in a hole, or like um, undo a little connector. Or there was, um, yeah. we were bolting a TV to an exhibit recently that um, my coworker had. Uh, hot glued some little like spacer bricks. They, I mean, they were just thick washers. They were plywood washers. <laughs> uh, and but he didn't hot glue it very good, so one of them fell off and like uh -huh. fell behind the TV. And he was like, "Oh, that's going to be a giant pain in the ass because there's not enough room to get your hand in the gap to hold it." So he put the bolt through it, and I was like, "Oh, that's fine. Just stick it on the end like a lollipop, and then like I can got an extendo extendo plywood washer." Um, and then, and then right pocket is in order from, uh, butt to front, uh, goes, uh, adjustable angle pocket crowbar. Of course. Uh, a Yankee push screwdriver, except if it's not a Yankee. Mine's, a I don't remember. Good El Pratt, I think. That's too short for a Yankee. There's there's short Yankees. Three the three three sizes of Yankees. We had this weirdly we had this conversation the other day with Duncan on the um uh, in the council meeting. Yeah. You need the big Yankee that is That's how the big Yankees uh, That's yeah, the one that when I was a kid that was my inches. Yeah, that was my toy lightsaber yeah. when I was a child. Yeah, they they were they were banned from British construction sites. Really? Were yeah. they? Yeah, I don't know that. For two reasons: one, for health and safety, and two, for the amount of times that people were um, trying to put in things like very tiny electrical screws, and then just absolutely <laughs> smashing the crap out of the walls. Or <laughs> yeah, when it slips out, you just punch the wall. Yeah, that was basically the, those. Those are the two reasons cited for why they um, banned them from British construction sites. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Crowbar, screwdriver, alpha box knife because it's the best box knife that's ever been made. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Plus a neodymium magnet that I keep in it because in the little lanyard hole because you always need a magnet also. Um, there's, and then backup magnet inside the back end of the screwdriver. Um, <laughs> a ridiculously bright flashlight, uh, which mm -hmm. this is the one I've been carrying for a long time. That's a Nightcore. P12 that's nice. I think a thousand lumens, but recently I got a new one that is three thousand lumens. Um, like a and... runtime about fourteen seconds, I'm guessing. Oh yeah, no, I've wanted to for a long time. I've wanted to build a little focusing attachment for my old one because, like, if you point it at black paper for like thirty seconds, it'll start to smoke. And I was like, oh, that's enough that if I focused it down, I could use it as a fire starter. Uh, the new one just works as a fire starter. It, and if you don't lock it, uh, it will light your pants on fire. Because I've done that. Um, <laughs> uh, and then a Leatherman Skeletool, um, which I snapped the knife in half and I replaced it with a uh, a jigsaw blade holder. And then I broke that to too. So right now it's knifeless. <laughs> Is it the pliers one or the scissors one? 
the pliers one. Because mm. I already have scissors. <laughs> I need pliers. <laughs> of course, of course. I should have known. Um, the Skeletal, uh, when, when my, I was in, I think I was in high school, my sister worked for the Utah Conservation Corps, and she was mentioning that she would get pro deals. Um, we were at the, mm -hmm. the, like, a trade conference for outdoor equipment stuff. It's, um, what is it called? Outdoor Retailers Expo or something. Um, and she was like, oh, I usually get pro deals from different manufacturers so that I can get wholesale pricing on gear for like my crew and I keep trying to get Leatherman but they won't give me one and I was like okay I'll just go get one and I'll buy my Leatherman at wholesale and then I'll and then you can have my pro deal I don't care and, and she's like how are you going to get one and I was like uh you and Andy our other friend Andy not this Andy um I was like you and Andy just just come up in a few minutes and ask me to sign your climbing gear um and I worked at a sign shop, so I always had a Sharpie on me, like, at all times. <laughs> and so I walk up and kind of just start talking to the lady at the Leatherman booth and start asking about, like, how do you do, like, what's the process for getting a pro deal? And she's like, oh, well, you have to be, like, you can't get one unless you're, like, a professional athlete. And I, was, and I just went, oh, you don't, you must not follow, follow climbing, do you? <laughs> and she's like, no. And I was like, I'm like i'm isaac dovek like i i'm the youngest person to ever free solo a mountain that i made up on the spot um <laughs> and so then and she's kind of and i could tell she's kind of like okay like questioning it until like uh rachel and andy come up and they're like holy shit you're here like will you sign our thing and i was like yeah totally and like whip out my sharpie and just like sign their climbing gear and <laughs> And then the lady gave me a proteo on the spot, and then I bought my Skeletool, and then I just gave the login to my sister so she could buy all the gear for her crew. <laughs> <laughs> so it, what what we're discovering here is that um, you are sort of the the kind of the the what happens when you fuse Adam Savage and Jupiter Resta together, <laughs> and then and, and maybe just a, a dash of Kevin Mitnick. <laughs> And then have you, you know, kind of a, well, as Dave Bauer said before, like an inbuilt, you know, kind of high-vis vest and clipboard just as your general persona to get you into anywhere. Yeah, I mean, the I think the best lesson I ever learned was when I figured out that if you just don't look lost, most people won't question <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. The, just walk um, with a purpose and people will move out your way. Yeah, and like I, I worked at a, um, oh, whatchamacallit, a access control manufacturer for a little while and mm -hmm. occasionally i'd have to go like do service calls with um like since we were the manufacturer security installers would be putting our system in to do people's badges and things um but i had access to everybody's system so at one point i was trying to troubleshoot the thing with this guy and he told me he was installing pretty local to me at a bank but he had really bad service at the thing he was trying to troubleshoot so he'd like go look at it then have to come outside and call me and go back and forth and it's just being a huge pain in the ass and i was like where is it and he told me and it was like it's like a 15 minute drive and i was like i'll just i'll be there in a minute and so so i go there and um and i'm just like looking i logged into their server and i'm like going through my phone and like just kind of guesstimating i'm like yeah this looks like 
east door first level or whatever and like <laughs> unlock light turns green cool and like walk in and i'm like in the back of the bank trying to figure out where this dude is because i all i know is the name of the door he's having troubles with and at one point uh, i get to a door and i'm trying to guess and just like basically like unlock lock unlock lock and like just moving down the list and like trying to find the one that clicks this door and somebody comes around the corner and sees me and they're like and they're like um like do you need help and i was like uh no i'm good and they started like walking over to question me and the, at that point i hit the door that like found it and it was like like uh cool talk to you later and just like walk through the door and locked it behind me like <laughs> Because I'm just like in normal clothes in the back of a bank, <laughs> where you wouldn't normally be. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't look like business casual or whatever, like they all are with button-up shirts and slacks or whatever. <laughs> Standing at the I, end of the hallway, just looking at my phone. <laughs> I, I get the the impression that you know this, this is kind of Maker's Waffle is kind of your gateway podcasts to um, before you end up as an exhibit on darknet diaries <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's probably my dad's fault because he worked at a big corporate bank when i was a little kid like uh, basically from when i was born to 18 when we had our big banking crisis and his was one of the ones that got shut down mm. um and we he i went with him to work one weekend because he's like oh i need to go reboot one of the servers and we get there and he's like oh, i forgot my badge and he's like i don't want to drive all the way home so he's like, that's fine. We'll just break into the server room. And like, <laughs> and so like, uh, he like put me up through a window into somebody's office that in a window that was open. And then I just like stole a roll of scotch tape off their desk and like, like fire code ever. You have to be able to get to the front door from anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I just, on my way out, like taped over all the strikes to get my path back to a secure area. And then like, get back to his floor get like start going through people's desks and found like a balloon and like a stick and some tape and he like s filled it up with hot water from the coffee machine and like slipped it under the door to trigger the motion sensor on the inside of the server room so that we could get in <laughs> and and i i mean i was in probably middle school and i was just like that and i was just like oh yeah like you can solve problems that are in your way if you just know how they yeah. work. And yeah. that's MacGyver by any chance. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. I did also watch um there was a chunk of time when I was in middle school where I'd come home every day to watch MacGyver and Hogan's Heroes on the like old school rerun channel. <laughs> And then my mom would be like, do you want to watch MacGyver? Like, brew up a pot of tea to watch MacGyver with all the old ladies. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot the tea. Like, I got to go make my tea. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything else that's been grabbing your attention? Or anything else that you want to highlight for anyone else? Um, what did I write in my list? We might have already covered yeah, you a had lot of it. I do. I, um, yeah, it's my list of current hyperfixations. Um, uh, I mean, working on like the desk and dryer and dice stuff, um, and 
working on um, an engagement ring for Sagan that she knows about because otherwise I wouldn't say it since she's listening. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, like, I've been Hackaday posted a really cool article recently about a um, how to make a micro a metal forge out of a microwave. Um, nice. So you can just microwave your metal to melt it and do casting. So I've been on the prowl for a free microwave on the classifieds. Um, the, the thing that I was going to extol the virtues of because got to plug something at the end of a podcast. Um, there's a, I think it's rocket props on Instagram. It might, might be somebody else, but whoever makes the Bevel, um, is, it's a little angly, uh, thing the that thing can, that they put the put the pencil into and you put a knife blade into and for cutting foam and you can set the angle for cutting i know yeah so like that yeah, thing yeah. is cool but the thing that uh he recently talked about that made me go holy shit that's awesome <laughs> is uh alpha knife alpha blades ceramic alpha blades <gasps> Ooh. so i bought a pack of ceramic alpha knife knife blades on amazon because uh, he said like i mean i've seen like uh bill uh duran from punish props all the time say like you gotta keep your knife steel handy because the foam will dull your knives really quick yeah. and so like you cut it and then just sharp like clean up your edge and uh i the i think it's rocket props he was saying like he's like yeah these ceramic blades just like work forever effectively and they're still snap off so you can still like take it off if you chip your edge or whatever yeah. uh, and it feels like when you cut through something it feels insanely sharp even though like if you put your finger on them like the steel ones feel sharper but it's just yeah. something about the like the slipperiness of the ceramic or something like when you're opening a package just, yeah. they just go right through um but i was scraping super glue off my uh pokey stabby the other day and and i went well, I usually do this with a steel knife. I'm probably going to fuck up the ceramic blade, but I'll do it anyway because I can't be like too precious about them so that I can learn yeah, what their limits are. And exactly that. Yeah, it was a serrated knife after. Um, it was like a ceramic <laughs> bread knife. Because um, <laughs> it's like same motion as using a knife steel, but I'm actually like cutting stuff off of the pokey yeah. stabby. And sometimes there's a little burrs or lifted bits that need to be chopped um so yeah that is the thing that like basically was showed to me recently and then i went if i have any sort of platform i need to tell other people about the ceramic alpha so this, so this is the thing is straight away i know that the next thing i'm going to do after this is go and find some <laughs> but i also know who out of our friend group who are going to listen to this who are also going to do the same <laughs> Yeah. So I'll keep it's gonna be one of those weird things where like whoever manufactures those is like we sell like six a week and then all of a sudden they sell 30 and they're like what happened <laughs> it's just you'll have to tag them Andy see if we get some freebies <laughs> I, I I will I, I was going to tag um, Leatherman but I'm not sure after this the full details of the story whether that's a good idea or not oh go for it <laughs> <laughs> I I tag them in occasional things they seem nice they're actually one state over from me um they it's it's one of the dumbest things but i have like my like kind of social media like pride and joy is the fact that i have a post liked by um jiff peanut butter 
<laughs> and it's because I found a tub, like a giant tub of Jif peanut butter on the side of the road. And I took it to my shop and it was still sealed. So I like, made a sandwich with it. And I took a picture of like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on my table saw. <laughs> and I tagged Jif just because I thought it was funny. And then they liked the post. I mean, there's, there's so much about that that story that just if you didn't say who it was if it was just a story written down and someone said who did this happen to <laughs> everyone we know would go ah, Isaac <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what what it was that you were saying at like Maker Central that um, oh, I'm even people I'm talked to all the time, I'm terrible with their names. Peter Brown, um, mm. that you're saying Peter Brown was saying something, and then like a few different people were like, like, oh yeah, is that an Isaac story? And then like, yeah, there's uh, me, Andy, Alex, Jurassic, and Peter Brown all just chatting in the Hilton. And, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, and then that's, it was that's like, like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's an Isaac story, and then it's like, yeah, uh, Isaac, yeah. <laughs> One of one of Sagan's friends that moved away, but he was back playing a jazz thing recently, and we went and saw it. He was he said he made some small comment where he was like talking about um, being a main character, and he turns to me and he goes, "You understand this?" Um, and <laughs> I was like, "I mean, I do, but that's a weird way to put it." Yeah, but the thing is, there are there are some people that are the main character, there are some people that are the NPCs. And there are some people that are that dude in Zelda Breath of the Wild who just appears with like the rucksack full of all of uh -huh. the things. <laughs> I'm not saying he's you, but <laughs> <laughs> there are parallels. I, I did used to have um, any time I was about to do something that somebody would go like, like oh like you can't do that because it's dangerous like what if you get hurt what if x thing happens i go it's fine i have plot armor and they're like what because like, i'm the protagonist like it i can't die so it's fine <laughs> well the the um unobtainium will suddenly appear in the nick of time and... oh yeah i mean yeah. that's that that is my thing that happens constantly that it's just like Oh, I need this thing, and then like it will literally like blow in on my doorstep um, <laughs> from like a storm. <laughs> there was, um, and Sagan always tells me she's like, "Why can't you just make that happen for like other people that need things?" And I'm like, "I try, <laughs> but I can't, I don't have control over it. It's just like I need this thing, and then it just appears where when I need it." It's proof that you've just somehow managed to hack the code that runs the world, and you know it's the uh, yeah, kind of it's, the matrix baseline. It's some sort of astrology thing where, like, when I was born, like Jupiter's <laughs> gravity was pulling on my genes just right, so that like whatever midichlorians make MacGuffins happen just <laughs> works extra for me. I've got like plus one MacGuffin. <laughs> They were a fantastic band. <laughs> Plus one McGuffin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my 
face is hurting now. Jamie, you must be grabbing your attention. <laughs> oh, I, I am, I am very, very nearly ready for making central next weekend. I have, <laughs> I have gravity clamp left to wrap and a couple of other little bits and bobs, but I am functionally ready for Maker Central, so I can actually have a couple of days breather, rather than being flat out mad until I arrive at the hotel. But by rap, you mean, by rap, you mean add the, add the uh, suitable uh, protective encasement that is required for uh, use in a, yes. uh, a commercial <laughs> exhibition environment? It's to turn it from a liquid-filled box into being a liquid-filled tool as the gravity clamp for the leatherworking. Yeah. It just so happens that the particular liquid-filled tool of the gravity clamps um, become less useful as that the more they are used, because the more they're used, the less liquid is contained within them. But it makes it easier to carry home. So Exactly you, that. You made, made some juicy cubes. <laughs> what, what happened is last year, sneaking into Maker Central, we took, uh, I say we, I took in uh, two 10-litre boxes of cider. Uh, yes. um, for on our stand to to uh, help keep us hydrated, but Obviously. so it didn't look like I was just taking twenty liters of cider into the convention center. And just in case in. if anyone from Maker Central is listening, that's American cider, so yes. not British hard cider. <laughs> T- tasty rhubarb juice is what I took yeah. in in uh, in boxes to help keep us hydrated on the long busy days. Yeah, I mean you need um, hydration, but you also need like sugar to keep you going. And- yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's medicinal. That was the that's the, um, that's the way things down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So plus, well, that was the thing. So the the, it was to it was to apply gravity to hold the bits of leather down. That was the plan. So they became gravity clamps, and now nobody knows what it is actually called. And it's just this fabled thing called gravity clamp. Uh, yeah, don't drink any of the gravity clamps that I gave to Ellen. <laughs> They're just lead. <laughs> In, in my note where I, I wrote uh, that when she's uh, traveling the verse, you never know when you need just a little bit of gravity. <laughs> so here's some, some gravity clamps to take with you. Amazing. <laughs> but yeah, that, so that's been my, that's been driving my attention is just trying to make uh, myself prepared enough to breathe so that I can then remember all the last minute things with enough time to action them. Mm-hmm. Rather than remembering all of the last-minute things while on the drive to the NEC. <laughs> yeah, that's when you get there and you're like, "Damn it! I left my gravity at home." <laughs> Stuff floating up. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Andy? What's been grabbing your attention? Uh, uh, mostly uh, trying to finish my uh, Fools of Tools treasure trade uh, because it needs obviously posting before I think they're all due to be posted the fifteenth. I can't remember. I, I should so. know this because I'm part of the organizational team. Uh, and obviously, that's <laughs> difficult with being on the um, Maker Central weekend. Uh, mm. So that would make life a bit tricky. Uh, so trying but to get that. If you and your tradee have both agreed that Maker Central is an option, you can take it with you to Maker Central. I don't. I don't know if that's agreed. Actually, I'd have to check. Uh, I'd have mm. to check. Um, yeah, where 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 in the world is your person? At least roughly. Oh, mind UK. Mind UK. So that's okay. Not- too bad. So there's, there's 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 a good chance that they'll be there, but obviously don't. I'd have to check. Um, yeah. 
so there's that uh still doing stuff at the men's shed organizing stuff there and whatever and yeah just kind of starting to try and get excited about make a central but hmm. obviously getting distracted by the, the getting the treasure trade sorted um but i'm thinking about things like yeah when do i've got to make sure i order enough kind of uh flour and butter and sugar and currants on uh mm. tuesday when i do my order so that there's enough stuff to make some welsh cakes on friday morning mm, that sounds tasty yes yeah so it's a podcast host first and then anyone else gets whatever's left right well i mean it depends who i meet along the way yeah there, there's gonna be people along the way oh hopefully. that's a good yeah. point and but uh, yeah. but is that any podcast host like not just Waffle. ah good point actually good point good point actually so this like is a good yeah. point but i i think i can most of our other friends who are podcast hosts who are there i can probably wrestle out the way <laughs> i don't know so i, I right. feel like if if you get between al and food uh that yeah. might that might be a like a boss battle scenario <laughs> i think I, I think you and neil definitely a bit of a scrap out for it could be interesting make a concern in that because you because you both you both kind of yeah both similar sort of height similar sort of yeah both big guys my only problem is the only problem really is that both of you well either of you even one on your own that's, that's so much bigger than me i wouldn't stand a chance you said we want most kicks now <laughs> <laughs> yeah but me, me and neil i'll just have a hug and share them we'll be fine it's everyone else we're worried about <laughs> it's the well, aftermath of the hug <laughs> <laughs> hopefully there should be enough to go around i would imagine yeah. I mean, okay. in fairness, I, I I am taking a lot of snacks with me. <laughs> Not for me to consume, but a lot of snacks to distract everyone else. Some of both. <laughs> <laughs> snacks and caltrops. Uh, I do need to make it to a Maker Central just just for the speakeasy. Yeah, well, so the speakeasy hasn't been there, uh, wasn't yeah. there last year, and isn't there this year. That's but, fine. I'll just go to his house while I'm while I'm on that side of the world. Well, I was going to say is that the, the speakeasy has just been replaced by uh, less covert means of <laughs> just turn up and see what's there. Yeah, I mean, you jump jump on a plane. We'll see you Friday. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe next year <laughs> after the after the engagement ring sorted, you and Sagan can come across for yeah. Honeymoon at Maker Central. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I definitely want to do that. And then I would at first with open sauce. I was like, eh, I don't know. Maybe I'll try to go. And then Alex, because originally Alex said she couldn't go, and then mm -hmm. she said she was potentially going or probably going. And then I was like, okay, well now I need to figure out how to get over there. <laughs> <laughs> Since I haven't seen Alex in a couple of years, and and mm -hmm. promised a pint next time we were in the same area well i will just have to make you very envious with selfies yeah <laughs> yeah entice we'll, you over for next year we'll be sounds, seeing alex, sounds good we'll be seeing alex on the weekend next yeah. weekend <laughs> yeah isaac where can people find you if they want to um, see what you see what you're up to 
and how well, I mean, you if they progress were, on dice. Yeah, if um, they want to, if they want to see what I'm up to, they have to literally come and stand behind me because I'm posting so frequently. <laughs> but uh, rusted friend, uh, like past tense of rust uh, <laughs> on Instagram, is the the best place. Uh, technically, rustedfriend.com exists, but that's updated even less frequently. Uh, <laughs> and there is a YouTube channel as well. And there's a YouTube channel as well that is also Rusted Friend. It's just Rusted Friend all over the place. Um, if if you were to be friends with an improperly cared for robot, that would be it. Uh, <laughs> and theoretically, I might post more stuff at some point because it's one of those things that I actually like documenting projects and making videos. Like that's mm -hmm. a project of its own that I enjoy yeah. doing. I'm just always bad at like making a point of doing it during so then i get to the end and i'm like i should make a video about this and i'm like but i don't want to do the project again and i didn't take any <laughs> pictures of anything <laughs> maybe i'll dismantle the project and do an upgrade <laughs> yeah uh no i was actually thinking about doing that for my glasses because i've got my glasses flashlight that oh, cool. um i made a prototype version of that is just two little tiny surface mount LEDs mm. super glued to the front where you would normally have uh, I don't even know what the word for that part would be called but two little shiny bits on the front so they look mm. stealth um, and then a CR2032 yeah. and, and a switch um, but I've been wanting to make that a little bit more finalized and put brighter brighter leds in it and laser etch where the leds are so they sit flush because i've got mm. magnet like sunglass attachments but they can't they don't fit anymore because i super good <laughs> leds to the front of my glasses <laughs> um and probably some pogo pins in the hinge so that when i like take my glasses off and close them it doesn't matter what position the switch is in because there's been a couple times where i've like accidentally yeah. turned them on and then killed the battery from them being on all night uh so that project probably will be um, uh, like, look what I did. This was the shitty prototype. Now let's build a better one. <laughs> so I, I've got so many things of that from when you first showed me those. Uh, I want to make a set for me. Um, but the same with like my, uh, I keep meaning to get a head cast done so mm -hmm. I can do um, uh, like a head mounted, prost well, not prosthetic, but uh, something that's custom fit to me for my. Um, be fine mm -hmm. so i can have that you know um, heads heads up display and stuff so, yeah, yeah this... i've wanted to do like a photogrammetry model of both me and sagan for a long time so that i have like digital versions of ourselves for working mm -hmm. on different projects or costumes or whatever um actually one last attention catcher that isn't even a current one but was a while ago um <laughs> Let me look at my Discord so I can remind myself what it's called. Uh, free sewing. Have you ever seen free sewing? No. It is a website, but they also have a Discord that's a completely, like, I think it's all Python. It's a programmatically built sewing patterns. So they have, like, an basically, like, an API that you can hmm. know, like, how to write the code for a sewing pattern. And so then they're infinitely adjustable for your size and everything Ooh. and then you just put in your measurements Ooh. it makes a custom sewing pattern and then there's and it's all community built so there's a bunch of different patterns for all sorts of different clothes and you can 
put all your measurements in like on your profile. So then you just any mm -hmm. pattern that's on there, you go, I want that. Um, it's a really cool project. That sounds really cool. Mm. And mm. in my pile of way too many Discord subscription uh, Discords that I've joined, I knew that it was in there. And so I was like, I just need to scroll really quick until I see the skull sewing, holding a needle. And it's that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will have to check that out. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Right. On that note, I think we'll say, uh, we'll say good night to folks. And yeah, it's yeah, late for Isaac, you guys. Thank you very much for joining yeah, us. It's been great chatting. Thank you for inviting me. We'll uh, maybe catch you again tomorrow night. Yep, I'll see you, see you tomorrow <laughs> if I can get to work early. <laughs> or it'll be one of those things where I get on just in the time for like the conversations to be winding down and I just have it muted while I'm driving home on yeah. the freeway and just have people go, wow, there's a lot of trucks in America. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Right. Good night. I'm in. Have a good night. Good night. Okay. Okay.